0: Hello, friends. You're now listening to the Lifestyle, Leisure, and Sports Show. You never knew was two of those things.
2: I think we can all acknowledge that if this fails, you two will be fired and I will remain. <laughs> so, no pressure. Bo Bishop,
0: a regional media icon. Winner of the Surveyor of the good life sir you don't know that for a fact i and just I'm said I'm it, it on the radio also two guys this company named employee of the month
3: what are you talking about paul Hogan is hulk hogan's brother uh-huh look sure. it up because yes. it's hulk sure. hogan that's his real name one guy is from australia the other one is from tampa i mean he's from hollywood brother <laughs> <laughs> not brothers chops yes they are this is bishop, bishop and friends Bishop and Friends, Chaps, and Eric Reeser with you for the rest of the week and a little bit into next week. Bo will be back coming on Thursday. Ryan Baker, he's on the other side of the glass, running things for us right now. Reeser, normally we start the show, I think, on a on a bit of a lighter note. Mm, everything's fun. We, we have a little, hey, what's going on with, with Bo's kids? And hey, Valentine's Day. It was yesterday. We were talking about that. Yesterday, we also like to end the show kind of on a fun note, too. Yesterday, I talked about how I would be very excited about going to a championship parade for specifically the CBJ, but also just Columbus in general. And we had a a listener, I had a listener reach out to me and said, Hey, the crew just had one. And he granted, he's right. That is is correct. I probably should have gone to that if I, but if I'm clamoring for a parade, but the the crew don't do it for me. Soccer is not a sport that I have a a huge affinity for. So it it, that it, it slipped my mind there, but that is correct. Yes. I, I I should not have left out the crew there because they're the most successful professional franchise here in Columbus and you know possibly in the entire state, actually, when you look at it that way. But the yes. I was excited about that and then after the show I like to disconnect for a few hours once I figure out, you know, get done what I'm doing in the afternoon. And so I I saw some highlights from the Chiefs parade and Travis Kelsey trying to sing low places and all that stuff. And I was like, Oh, okay, good. And I, I, put my phone away, I put my laptop away, and everything. And then a few hours later, I start getting notifications, and I and I see it. And at first glance, just think, oh, it's just them promoting the Chiefs parade, Wh- whatever. Okay, but then I look at it closer, and I and I see that no, it is a tragic event that unfortunately transpired in Kansas City yesterday, where uh, multiple gunmen, possibly, there's been three people detained. Just open fired shortly after the the team uh, retreated into the Union Station there in Kansas City, and it, just tragic news: one, one dead, um, twenty one people injured, wounded, and various hospitals reporting on what's going on. It's just gut wrenching type stuff, and it just it really. I mean, obviously it stinks, but it we can't go anywhere now without this being in the back of our head, and it's an unfortunate reality here in in our country that every time you go into a giant crowd that you have this possibility that this could happen and it's happened in all sorts of things concerts obviously the school shootings here at a at a parade there was a at the when the denver nuggets were celebrating their championship last year it's gut-wrenching it's unfathomable to me that this keeps happening it's hard and difficult to take all these things it's scary it's frightening and it's depressing, and I think life is already hard enough that we can't even have a freaking parade without having to worry about gunshots being fired out into it. I, I don't know what to do with it anymore, but I, I thought about it a lot. It actually kept me up. I had a hard time sleeping last night as well. I'm not going to let it bury me and, and take me down. I still want to go to a championship parade. I still want to go to concerts. I still want to go to all these things. And yes, that thing will be in the back of my head, but I'm not going to let the terrible people in this world destroy the fun and camaraderie of being in large events with people. I love the, I love the movie theater experience. I'm not going to let it destroy those kind of things. I'm going to continue to love those things. I'm going to continue to have fun, and I'm going to continue to push through and do those things, and you have to sit there, and you just have to hope that all of these are safe, but I'm not going to let them win, because that is just the worst, you know, the well, the second worst possible outcome. Obviously, people dying and being injured from it is the worst possible outcome, but the the I don't want to be afraid of the things. I am, but I want to push through that, and I want to go through it, because I don't want the people who perpetrate these things to win in any sense of the word, because whoever did it, they detained three people. It was unclear immediately if those were the three people who were doing it, or if they right. were just people who were caught in all of it or whatever, who would they catch people and they figure it out. Good. Let those people rot in jail, but I'm going to continue to live life because I feel like that's from a personal level. The best way I can stand up to this is by saying personally, that I'm not giving up on doing things in large groups because I think that they are a beautiful thing of both this country and just the human experience in general and the parade looked like a really fun time until it wasn't and it's it's so hard to take and these you're you're inundated with these throughout the year they they pepper our calendar now and it's it's just the worst thing but I just wanted to open it up because usually we come on here. I don't like it when things get pushed to this, that we have to talk a little bit more seriously and we have to go into these, these real-life scenarios because I like to come on here and have a good time. We like to joke around, maybe talk about SpongeBob in the Super Bowl, that kind of stuff. But instead, we're forced to do this. And so when we're forced to acknowledge it and, and talk about it and look at it and think about it, I don't want it to also force me to
4: stop living. It's well said. Uh, Sports is supposed to be the distraction from life, but I I do think it's good of you to not do, you know, to not just put your head in the sand and to serve as a, well, we're just going to talk about the sports because this does affect everybody. And of course, our hearts and thoughts are with the people of Kansas City. And yeah, through the next couple of days, we'll find out exactly what happened um, yesterday, what was involved in everything. But it's really unfortunate that we've become desensitized and, and somewhat numb to gun violence and to mass shootings and to victims of gun crimes on a on an almost daily basis. And I just think the one thing to, to put a bow on all of this is that we just need to be better. And I will echo your point to for everybody. The one thing we can do is just keep keep attending these things, is to keep having these things and keep coming together as people because it's going to take all of us if something needs to get done, if, if something can get done to stop these things from becoming uh, what feels like a weekly occurrence. And I'll make the pledge
3: right now that when they do investigate this, figure anything out, I will never say these people's names on the air. That is not what this is for. This is for Bishop and friends, and you the listener are also our friends, and it's not those people who commit those kind of acts. They are not getting any publicity on this at all from me. Parades are dope. Parades, well, as an upper Arlington. Uh, I'm a a parade parade aficionado. Arlingtonian. Arlingtonian. Okay, yes. Uh, You guys do love your parades out there. So I would still be excited for a parade, but just tragic news out of Kansas City. Our thoughts and prayers are with the Kansas City locals, obviously the people who are wounded, the family of, um, I wrote, Lisa Lopez Galvin, who was actually a radio DJ out there in Kansas City. So that even touched me personally, too, based on what we do for our work. She wasn't working. She was just attending the parade as a fan. a fan. And so so unfortunate and everything going on. So just be strong, Kansas City. Um, And in the wake of all of this, we are all out here supporting you. This is not a notion of Chiefs fatigue on this one. This is something where I think everybody can rally behind Kansas City and the Chiefs and the organization and the city and just be for them. So sorry to start on a bit of a dour note, but uh, to transition, it's,
4: not like our other main story is, is something that's super positive either. But it was, Yesterday was necessary. Yes. Yesterday was necessary for Ohio State. Um, Gene Smith made the right move, the right call, um, the right decision. You can argue about the the time it took for that decision to happen, but over the last two seasons at least, the results that were... From this Ohio State men's basketball team were not enough to the standard that the program should be set to consistently, and we'll talk with Mike DeCourcy uh, of the Sporting News coming up at nine thirty, just about what's next for this program and kind of see if, from a national perspective, uh, what we have here are expectations of make the tournament every single year. If that's both, if that's a reasonable expectation or if that's something that that nationally is had for this Ohio State men's basketball program. You said it Holtman
3: out as Ohio State men's basketball head coach. He was 137 and 86 in 7 season as Ohio State's but uh, coach but he failed to make the tournament. Last year it does not look like they were going to make the tournament. This year they never made the second round of the tournament. Maybe one of their best teams in 2020 didn't get a chance. To go to the tournament, although they weren't playing super hot down the stretch of that season either. The the cracks were were, were there, but you thought, oh, maybe. And then they get a two seed in 2015, but they lose to Oral Roberts yeah. in an upset. Then the next year, they don't finish the season out strong. Oh, I'm sensing a theme here that the Big Ten play is is an issue for the Buckeyes. They make the tournament. They win their first-round game against uh, Loyola, Loyola Chicago. And then they, they run into Villanova, and they have to beat Villanova. And I thought Rothman had a really good point yesterday that, like, yeah, but that's it's not bad luck to run into Villanova. That's their fault that they were a 7 seed. Ohio State shouldn't be a 7 seed. That's what happened and why you ran into Villanova. Sure, you lose to Villanova in the sweet 16 or the elite 8, it's a different conversation, but to play him in the second round, that's your own fault. Don't be a 7 seed, you shouldn't be. And that's kind of where it got and then it was it's this Notion that we we got excited. Remember, we were doing a show together right around the New Year. I think it was the third of January, right after they beat Rutgers. Maybe it was the fourth of January, right after they beat Rutgers, and they were twelve and two. And I was I was ready to jump on, and I was like, "I'm here for this BasketBucks squad." And <laughs> and the Big Ten season started, and it was almost a carbon copy of the last year. So unacceptable. It has to be better than that, as you mentioned. Not just the expectations of. The Ohio State basketball program, but the expectations that the athletic department puts on all of his, all of its teams here. Ohio State wins championships in so many sports and college basketball might be one of the hardest to win the championship because of just the craziness, you know, it's March madness of the tournament. But that doesn't mean that Ohio State can't be expected to be at least be in the hunt for the Big Ten championship, successful in the Big Ten tournament and making Sweet 16s Pretty normally with inflection years that get you into final fours and maybe even a championship game run. It, it, there's, it's such a crapshoot in the tournament, but it is not unreasonable to... The Sweet 16 only requires you to win two games in a row.
5: Mm-hmm.
3: That's very doable, and that is something that Holtman never achieved here. A $12.8 million buyout, very high. An extension, too, that was signed two years ago, and he never even got to the three years. No. He's still got one year left on the original contract, so it wasn't even really necessary to get it to there. I, I, I think at the time it was something where I was like, oh, that's that's kind of weird timing." But I was not against the idea of I think Holtman might be the right guy for this job. I don't think they needed to do that he didn't extension have to do it. But I was not, I was not a fire Holtman at that because it was two sided at that time. That like there were people like, "No, I think he can." He's been get this polarizing
4: done. for a minute. Yeah, hadn't it and. Yeah, I, I didn't think at the time they needed to do it. I, I, again, we can now, with the hindsight being what it was, say that was a bad decision. But the right one was made yesterday. Yes. And so I, I think that's really, again, for me, the focus here is how, what, what's going to happen moving forward while, uh, to, to make sure that something like this doesn't happen again, where the next guy can be the right guy. Because for me, it was about what was being built and didn't feel like over the past couple of years there was anything being built. And that I think is the most important thing, and now this will be a Ross Bjork decision over how to properly build this,
3: yes, and it's so weird because John
4: b line the
3: recruiting classes got better and the teams got worse. And it makes you wait. There was
6: talent. Yeah. Is he not good at (laughs) developing
3: the players? Was he not good at figuring out the lineups? I don't know what the answer is. If I knew the answers, I'd be the head coach of Ohio state men's basketball, but it clearly was not working. We had two, we had two years of this sample that it's like, they can't even win in the big 10. They haven't won on the road since the beginning of last year, like it's basically 410
4: been, days as of right now.
3: It's been practically two seasons yeah. since they've they've won a game on the road. So it, it was the right move to uh, fire Holtman yesterday, and it, and it stinks because we've long said on this show that we like the guy. He's he is a really good guy, but at the end of the day, if you're not getting the job done. That's what's going to happen, and you have to do more. So Ohio State now on a search for a new head basketball coach, and Ross Bjork has got a lot to do with his, first, with his first few months on the job, even though he's supposed to be just learning it starting in March and not taking over until the summer. But current athletic director Gene Smith did have some words yesterday, and he has at least one regret in this whole thing. Bishop and friends on the fan.
0: If you consider yourself a Buckeye fan, you've come to the right place.
3: This is your heritage sports talker and home of Ohio State Athletics,
7: The Fan, Ohio's sports destination. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. If you say something with enough
0: confidence, it must be true.
7: You're listening to Bishop and
4: Friends. And there is no better time to sign up for the Tipico Sportsbook and get in the betting action with basketball, hockey, the biggest college hoops tournament in March. It's right around the corner. Also, baseball. Want to put some dollars on spring training games? You got about 10 days. Before that happens, plenty of games to bet on and win big. Take advantage of our massive odds boosts for the biggest payouts. Try our new parlays where you can pick how many legs you need to hit and cash in on your bets, even if you miss a leg or two. Claim our new sign-up bonus now and get $100 in bonus bets when you bet $25. Sign up now and enter the promo code THEFAN100 to get your bonus. Download the Typico Sportsbook app today. Must be 21 years or older and physically located in Ohio. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER.
3: Chris Holtman, no longer the head basketball coach here at Ohio State. Seven seasons for him. Well, most of seven seasons didn't quite get to the end of this one, despite Gene Smith saying a few weeks ago that he wanted to see it out to the end of the season. But Gene Smith at least stood up and and, and talked about it yesterday. And here's what he had to say about the, the decision-making process and why they decided to do it now, because for him, it was about the team
8: and the program. You know, my responsibility is to the program and it's to these young men that uh, compete every single day. I don't care what sport it is and whatever it is, my, my responsibility is to those young people and, and to the program. And so uh, I just felt uh, at this particular time with six regular season games left and uh, what um, Big Ten tournament and you know, whatever the postseason brings, um, you know, a spark of energy was needed. And so it's, uh, it's about the program in the end. And I have to set aside my personal feelings and just go uh, with what's best for the program.
3: Also, Gene Smith on any possible regrets he
8: may have had. Of course you do. I've had many regrets in my lifetime. I've been doing this a long time. If I could fix all the regrets that I, I have in my life, I'd fix them all. But certainly that's one of them. There he's specifically talking about the contract extension
3: Regerts. giving to uh, uh, Chris Holtman a couple of years ago that ballooned the it's a little lower than we thought we had been kind of reporting and people have been talking about it. It looks like it's set at about 14 million right now it ends up coming out to about 12.8 million. So it's nice to save 1.2 million dollars or so where you can, but it's still a lot of money to pay a basketball coach to not coach your basketball team so yes obviously with the hindsight of it it's a huge regret but it really wasn't even necessary at the time it was it, it, it's a pretty bad mistake and unfortunately for gene it's going to be a lasting remembrance of him because he's only on the job for a few more months and he had to fire the head coach in the middle of the season and kudos to him for yes keeping the outlook nice to say we got the big 10 tournament and maybe whatever the postseason <laughs> brings. that postseason i got something to tell you gene yes cbi um, invite coming that, this team isn't going to the postseason. to save even, actually winning the Big Ten tournament where they get an automatic bid is
4: not happening. Well, and I had thought that Gene would uh, not do anything before he was out. I, I thought that he would keep everything as is. Um, I know Ross Bjork had said any major decisions would be made between the two of them. Mm-hmm. And this is a major decision because a lot of this stuff is legacy with Gene Smith. How does he want to be remembered as athletic director at The Ohio State University? And this is going to be on that is the, the extension given to the, the head basketball coach that you ended up dismissing months before you were off the job. But he made the right call for the betterment, I think, of the program and for the betterment of the team. You give Jake Diebler and company kind of a chance to see what they've got with a couple games remaining. They got Purdue on Sunday. Ouch. But if you're able to, with the guys that you have, make something of the, the last part of this year, see who you can keep from popping into the portal – and then there's still something left over from whoever or whatever comes next season.
3: Yeah, and you talked about Gene Smith, you know, not wanting to do this right now, wanting to 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 get this, you know, something that maybe get to the retirement, and then we we can figure this. Not necessarily all out. kick
4: the can down the road, but make this not your decision.
3: Yes, um, because Ross Bjork, I mean, Ross Bjork is supposed to be here in March, and they're supposed to kind of work together. Oh, I for
4: imagine that. that Ross Bjork was. I, I would love to have. Uh, Ohio State's incoming athletic director on it just to see when, in fact, you were informed that Gene was going to make this decision or when did you and Gene powwow to make this decision?
3: Keep in mind, yeah, Ross Bjork just fired Jimbo Fisher. Now that wasn't fully his decision. It felt like there was some pushing from people in, you know, in charge of the money down there at Texas A&M, but that was a $70 million buyout. So he's slightly not a a stranger to doing that. They just paid a one and a half million dollar buyout to UCLA to get Chip Kelly to come here as the offensive coordinator for the football program. But I think that shows what we were talking about with the new leadership, both with President Carter and Ross Bjork, who's going to be the new AD that Ohio State is playing by a different game and throwing their weight around a little bit more. And Gene Smith actually reiterated a little bit of that, saying that President Carter was on board with this decision.
8: President Carter is unbelievable, um, obviously, because of his athletic background and his understanding of, of our space. Conversations are pretty straightforward and frank. And, and he's a decision maker, which I like. There's no gray area. And so uh, he agreed, he supported, and we made, them, made the decision.
3: I do like that, that they do seem to say, we want to do this, let's go ahead and do it. I heard uh, Doug Maurice, great friend of the program, he yesterday had a really good point that, yes, it does stink that Ohio State has to pay this buyout, no program has infinite money, despite how big Ohio State's athletic department is. Money is a resource that you can't just throw around willy-nilly, because you will run out of it, but at the very least, the most detrimental thing a large buyout can do is hold you from making the right decision. So at least Ohio state was ready from a leadership standpoint to say, no, we're not going to let this contract extension, which was a mistake. It's a regret from Gene Smith. We're not going to let it hold us back from doing what's right for this basketball program. And what was right for this basketball program was firing Chris Holtman. The timing right now. I don't know if, if that was right. I've heard points on both sides. I've thought about both sides of waiting to the end of the season versus now. And that's something we can get into. But I think the writing was on the wall that this was the right choice to fire Chris Holtman, that it wasn't going to get Ohio State to where it wants to be. I'm not sure
4: how much more ahead this puts Ohio State in terms of finding the next head coach. Uh, We're going to talk about some of the candidates uh, that could be next up here. But several of those names we'll be mentioning have buyouts in the several million dollar ranges from their universities. Mm -hmm. So be careful in having guys at the top of your list with five, six, seven. 10 million dollar buyouts at their current universities because again this 13 million dollars that you're paying the outgoing head coach is going to be a factor in who you're going to be able to get with this so i think it was it was the timing was good could it have happened earlier sure whatever the timing was good in seeing what you have on this staff seeing what you have you know with the guys on this team and not being caught or lost in that shuffle that happens at the end of the regular season with other schools that will be making similar moves
3: and the one thing about the Holman buyout, too, to keep in mind, if he, he will be required to look for other jobs. Remember, Thad Mata had to do that to get his buyout when he was fired. Um, but if he does get another job, some of the buyout can be offset by his new salary, but it's not going to be all of it. And I don't think he's going to be making a three and a half, you know, nearly three and a half million dollar salary like he was at Ohio State, but that's something where maybe some more money, but I think your point is, is the correct one that like, man, if it gets, above probably three or so like that's probably going to be a little too steep based on what they've already spent this offseason and again money is not infinite something that is infinite is the fun we have basketball season talking to mike deCourcy of the sporting news big 10 network he does brackets for fox sports he's coming up next with more on what's going on with ohio state basketball bishop and friends right here on the fan
0: Your morning just got beefier. Morning Juice
7: with Beamer, Bobby, and Shark.
6: Weekdays from 6 to 9.
7: The fan, Ohio Sports Destiny. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S. based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock million-dollar protection package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to twenty-five percent your first year at LifeLock.com/slash-aware.
1: Us. What's up. What's up, man? So much you.
3: Before we head out into the Brian Heating and Cooling Systems fan guest hotline, some big news off the top of the show. Now, and this is not a report, the Blue Jackets' official Twitter has announced that Yarmo Kekalainen has been relieved of his duties as general manager. So it's a developing
4: story, but it is official that he is out. We will have more on that throughout the show, and we will get to that. Uh, John Davidson will resume uh, general managing duties through the rest of the season as they find a replacement there.
3: So there are the facts. Right now, though, we head out to the Bryant Heating and Cooling Systems Fan Guest Hotline to talk to Mike deCourcy of the Sporting News, Big Ten Network, and does the brackets for Fox Sports. Mike. I think where it all starts here is figuring out with Ohio State because they're not one of the true blue bloods, of course, of college basketball, the Dukes, the Kentuckys, the UNC's, the Kansases of the world. But they have had some really good success in recent memory, sometimes even under Thad Mott, it was very sustained. But from your vantage point, as somebody who pays attention to college basketball at large across the entire country, where in the hierarchy does Ohio State fit and what should the expectations be for a program like Ohio State basketball?
9: Well, I think they should. I think it's reasonable to uh, say they should be competitive in the Big Ten. Uh, and if you are competitive in the Big Ten, you are competitive nationally. Uh, I, I, I wrote yesterday a tweet. To, I, I have. I'm I'm in the process of writing an article about Chris uh, and and what happened there. But I wrote a tweet yesterday that basically just said he's a really good guy and a really good coach. It didn't work for a lot of reasons there. And I, I'm I and and apparently you're not allowed to say nice things about somebody that just got fired apparently because that's not enough for certain fans. Uh, they want they want punishment uh, for the person who came in and made and made four consecutive NCAA tournaments. Uh, it's not it's it's not enough to just say that he did a good job. And they're like, why didn't he win the Big Ten? Well, I mean, are we going to pretend that Michigan and Michigan State and Wisconsin and Indiana and and all these other teams don't have really great programs as well. I mean, that's just not realistic to say that if you if you are in that conference and you finish second, that you haven't achieved something. There, would you want to win the Big Ten uh, in that period? I, and I, by the way, I left out Purdue, which has been the best program probably in that period. Um, it, I, it, yeah, you want to win it, and, and Ohio State should be in that hunt. And they were in that hunt several times during Chris's tenure, not recently. And I under, and I I'm not saying that Ohio state did the wrong thing by deciding to move on. I'm not a fan of doing in season dismissals. I don't think they serve any purpose unless um, something untoward happened with the coach or with the program. Uh, And, and it clearly is not the case. Chris is a first rate person. His program has had no problems. Of that regard, so I'm not a fan of that. I don't think it's, I don't think it solves anything look if you know that you want to make a change, like you can make lots of phone calls. you don't have to make it public, and you don't have to to have it happen while there's still what six or seven or eight games or whatever left. It doesn't serve any purpose but But in terms of making the decision, I totally understand why Ohio State did it, and I'm not arguing against it. Um, it just hasn't happened the last few years. And as I said, there are lots of different reasons for that. Some of them are Chris's, uh, responsibility. Some of them are bad luck. Uh, and, and, and some of them are good luck that turned out to be bad, which is what I'm writing about today.
3: Yeah, well, that's actually yeah what I was going to ask you. Like over the last few years, the recruiting class rankings wise for Ohio State have gone way up, and they've been very competitive in the top ten nationally. But it doesn't seem like that's gelling, or the players aren't developing. What have you seen that has been perplexing? You know, the disconnect between good recruiting class, bad team.
9: Well, I, I, first of all, I would point out that it, the players in many, in in two cases at least, developed. Much more rapidly than anybody anticipated, and that's part of the problem. Uh, you had Malachi Branham in twenty twenty two, who uh, had a fantastic uh, second half of his freshman year and became a first round draft choice. Uh, and then it happened again last year uh, with it with Bryce Sensabaugh, and that's devastating to a program. I don't think anybody really appreciates how 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 much that undoes a program. And and I and and it, it it clearly has impacted what Ohio State has been able to do moving forward. Uh to have someone who comes in and has a really nice freshman year that's good enough for the current NBA draft to to be a first rounder but doesn't come in and do, and do a Greg Oden or a Mike uh, or a Mike Conley. I mean, neither of those players did that. Uh, They didn't do a Kevin Durant or an Anthony Davis or a Zion Williamson. Like you get those guys and they do what they do. And, and then they go pro everybody's like, yeah. Uh, But if you come in and you're like freshman of the year in the big 10 and then you're gone, it's like, wait a second, what did we get? Where did he go? And what do we do now? That's what happens. It has happened over the last 15 years or so in a lot of programs. And I, I'm still at the, working on the research on that, but I don't know many coaches that have survived that.
4: Mike DeCourcy of the Sporting News is our guest, courtesy of the Bryant Heating and Cooling Systems Fan Guest Hotline. Mike, who or what is next for this Ohio State men's basketball program, in your opinion?
9: Well, I think that, first of all, this is a different Ohio State that's hiring today than hired even Chris in 2017. It's different now. Uh, maybe it's not maybe ohio state isn't different because it's always been a a tremendous athletic program with great resources and great facilities and great support it's always been that but the gap is different now uh, between ohio state and whoever the next acc program is that looks for a coach or the next big 12 program that looks for a coach it's different now and and so coaches are going to look at that and say, you know, it's a harder scramble where I am now, even though I've got one of the better jobs in my league than it is at a place like that, where if you've got one of the better jobs in the league, you've got one of the best jobs in college basketball. I think that's, it's hard to really, I did a list probably around when Maryland uh, opened after Gary Williams. Uh, to sort of assess where does Maryland, I think it was where does Maryland fit in the best job category. I don't know that I could really do at this stage an accurate list like that because of the way college athletics changed with the uh, the collapse of the Pac-12, the the ascent of the television contracts in the Big Ten and SEC, I just I just know that if you're in one of those leagues and you're in a well-supported athletic program, and there are few that, that could look at their broader athletic program and say they're better supported than Ohio State, um, I think you're in a great position. So I, I do believe that the Buckeyes are hiring their next coach from a position of strength. They have lots to offer. And they can say to lots of really accomplished coaches, in leagues that have traditionally been equal to the Big Ten, are you sure it's going to last there? I mean, it might, but we know it will here. So what do you think? Get on board. And that's, that's an advantage that, you know, like even four years ago, or I'm sorry, seven years ago, uh, they didn't really have it at, at that level. It was still, like I said, a great program with, great, with lots to offer. But I think that disparity, at least to some degree, exists
8: now.
3: Mike, you mentioned the timing of this, and I agree. It was a bit of a head-scratcher for me. I don't understand why you don't just play out the string and get to the end of the season on this, but I I, I see. I saw some people say, oh, well, now you get a jump start on the, the coaching search, which, of course, you do, but like you, you said, you could have done that. You but You don't. Well, but, but you don't. my question is, do you think there are going to be any other open Big Ten jobs that will be competing for similar names uh, in this offseason?
9: I uh, don't know. I, I've never been a hot seat guy. Um, I, I, cause I, you know, I mean, there have been coaches on hot seats that have won NCAA championships. That's Jay Wright about what it was like in like 05, uh, or, or the beginning of the 05 season at Villanova, what it was like. Uh, so I, I, I'm not a believer in that. Um, I, I, I do know, we, we do know that, uh, that Michigan ha- and we, we saw Ward Manuel offer public support for Jawan Howard yesterday. Um, we do know that Michigan's not having a great year. Uh, and this is the second consecutive year that's a disappointment, but we also know that Jawan was the sporting news coach of the year as recently as 2021. So, I mean, we're not that far past that. Uh, we know that Indiana isn't having a great year, but they're at the third year of a build. I mean, I think that's a bit rash to decide after they made consecutive NCAA tournaments. Uh, and now they're having kind of a rough year that, oh, now, now, oh, we clearly didn't make the right choice. Really? Two years, you know, 12 months ago, you were saying you did. So how do you change your mind that fast? Um, so I don't know that, that, uh, that there'll necessarily be any. Um, but I know that I, we know officially now that Ohio State is in the market. And I don't think that, look, there's not, nobody's the right fit for every job. So there are plenty of coaches out there that that have lesser jobs, that clearly have lesser jobs than Ohio State. And it's up to the new administration, I believe, uh, from what I read, uh, to make uh, the ideal choice. And it's not as easy as people think it is. And, and usually the people who decided w- the previous choice wasn't the right choice decide that after about four seasons or so. And then they claim to have known all along that it wasn't going to work.
3: Mike, thanks for joining us today. We look forward to checking in with you as we hit the tail end of this season and then into March Madness. Always great to talk to you.
9: Oh, always a pleasure. Uh, take care, and we'll uh, and thanks for having me on.
3: He's Mike DeCourcy of the Sporting News, Big Ten Network studio analyst, and does the brackets for Fox Sports on the Bryant Heating and Cooling Systems fan guest hotline. Well, Chris Holtman wasn't the only person fired here in Columbus as the CBJ are making moves, too. Bishop and Friends right here on The Fan
0: to 971thefan.com to listen on demand and subscribe to
7: all our podcasts. Wasting time has never been easier. The Fan, Ohio sports destination. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss, plus with a US-based restoration specialist on your team. You won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. With friends like these, who needs former college
0: football players? This is Bishop and Friends.
3: Chaps and Reese are with you today and Bishop and friends. We are sponsored by Awaken 180, fast, sustainable weight loss without medications, the solution for weight loss, Awaken 180 weight loss. And I'm not the only one around Columbus who has cut the fat, uh, recently Hey-o. as we have had two major firings now in less than 24 hours. Talking off the top of the show a ton about Chris Holtman out as Ohio State men's basketball coach, but just in the past 20 minutes or so, the Blue Jackets have made a pretty big announcement that they have uh, parted ways with GM Yarmo Kekalainen. John Davidson will take over as the acting GM for right now we were just talking the trade deadline is March 8th. For those of you looking at that and okay, there's that new leadership, but it's technically different leadership and Yarmo will not be the one making those decisions because he has drawn the ire of blue jackets fans. And rightfully so, because a lot of the things that he has done, haven't always really panned out and they've never been able to put the team together draft wise free agent wise keeping star players on free agency and i think it just finally got to that point where enough is enough this is a professional hockey organization we can't just say that oh columbus isn't the best destination for nhl players forever something needed to change
4: and i will or you I, can't be young or you can't be you know injury bitten you also every, can't, like that just you also cannot say, keep being the thing every season can't say reload when it's clearly rebuild every Every single season is well. They're young. Well, they're injured. It's guys. Eventually, some accountability has to happen, and that's what I think is going on today. Uh, JD John Davidson's going to take over as GM. He's going to speak at eleven thirty. So I am interested uh, to hear his thoughts and words with this, but. The idea that Yarmo was going to have a shot at this trade deadline, and I don't know what the Jackets are gonna have necessarily to move come that March eighth deadline, but the big decisions for this franchise could not be left in the hands of a man who has shown to not be able to make the correct decisions when they are this when they are as big as a trade deadline is or as a hiring a new coach is. <laughs> like these things now Yarmo has proven, got a track record of not making those best calls.
3: Yeah. It, I mean, honestly, after the Babcock thing, the with, Babcock with,
4: thing was the I I still can't get over it because it did feel like that they were trying to gaslight us at the end of the summer and towards the beginning of training camp and then changed, even man. into training camp with how this was going to be different. And it turned out because, again, everybody, everybody but JD and Yarmo said that it was going to be different. And it wasn't different.
3: No, it wasn't. And. That should have been, yeah. The that basically should have been the final straw, and I think it was for a lot also, of. Also, can I fans. shake your
4: hand real quick? Uh, yeah, we sure. got some breaking news today. Oh no! Finally, during a show, that, we,
3: you're right. We did. We actually got it. it news it, actually
4: broke between nine and noon, and it wasn't rumors
3: uh, of news, which we we, we saw it. the we saw the rumor yesterday about Chris Holtman, but it was from a source there that we weren't really
4: familiar with, and we weren't quite comfortable going off of it. And then, yeah, it at like
3: literally five minutes after our show ended, it was official that he was out. But we got this one official during our three hours. Hours today and uh, yeah the Blue Jackets they are in search of a new GM and that GM will be one he, he will be charged with the the job of getting this team together and what is it you mentioned it's young it's dealt with injuries who can you trade what can you do and that's going to be more next year stuff than i'm going to hire a gm between now and march 8th but that's stuff to do there then you then you talk about the draft and and building the team and because this is a rebuild this is not a reload despite how much yarmulke kalainen wanted to act like for the last couple of years that it was still a reload situation i like the the move by the blue jackets but my question is what a, I mean, what about this season made this the move to make now instead of when
4: the uh, Babcock thing just blew up anyways? I thought you were going to ask,
3: what about J.D.? Well, I don't know if he's long for the job either, but wow. somebody has to be in charge. and it's I probably, Does
4: somebody
10: have to be right now? You have <laughs> to
3: have executives, especially with the McConnells being so hands-off with the team. Somebody has to run the team.
10: I think the big thing about now is you did not trust him at all or he's not going to be here. You know that? He can't run this trade deadline. I agree. Which like you said, JD, is he going to be here? I, you know, I don't know because uh, he. You guys mentioned the Babcock thing. It seems like he was lockstep with mm-hmm. Yarmo on that. But I think this is definitely get him out of the way before this trade trade deadline. We cannot have this.
3: You pay the most attention to the Blue Jackets, just about anybody here, Baker. So if you were given the job, they, hey, congratulations,
4: they, you are general manager of the Columbus Blue Jackets. Boom, you have been hired. What do you An do? An alternate governor.
3: <laughs> throughout the, you know, leading up to the trade deadline and the rest of this season.
10: Well, if it's me, I'm, you talked about trimming the fat. I'm trimming the fat a lot. And unfortunately, you're going to have to do that at a cost of pennies on the dollar because you're not going to get value, market value for a Patrick Laine, especially right now. But I'm doing everything I can, even if I have to eat part of that contract to get out from under that contract you know whoever on the back end you decide isn't going to be here in the future you've got to get rid of them even if it's for a seventh round pick that's the market for andrew peak you got to get rid of him in that contract you know if he's not part of your future and a guy like ross Levick's a ufa unfortunately he's got to go at whatever cost yeah i'm i'm shifting this to more assets and more young guys you know and centering this i don't I love Boone. I don't need to see Boone playing 27 minutes a night anymore. A career high? That's for guys like Sillinger and Johnson and Marchenko now. To me.
3: No, I I like all those words from you. And then, unfortunately, Elvis is not something that is really a trade asset at all right now. Because with his... Tummy issues, I guess. He can't seem to be ready for any given night. You know, it was a bad night for Tarasov on Tuesday. It was a very bad night. They didn't want to put in Elvis because his stomach hurt. And it's like, I guess, but you know, and he hasn't played well this year. So that's not really an option there as somebody who you thought maybe could be a trade asset for the Blue Jackets. Is Goudreau on the table if you were GM Ryan Baker?
10: For the right price, I think so. Because at that contract, I think you've got to be a driver And Johnny's been better here recently, but I still don't think Johnny's a driver. I've never thought that.
3: Okay, and uh, the lucky thing, I guess... GM Ryan Baker just blew up the team. Which is what they they should do. You got Fantilli, you got the second pick in the draft, you've got a... You know, he wasn't the generational player, but you got a really, really good player that would have probably gone number one overall in just about every other NHL draft that didn't have a Sidney Crosby or a uh, Connor Bedard or a Wayne Gretzky or whatever. This is where you're at and it's all about cultivating that as you mentioned we don't need to see the veterans out there playing because they're not even winning Ottawa's not a good of a team they didn't win that game they got embarrassed on on the ice so what's the point of playing the old guys what is it doing what is it netting you it's not netting you anything and nothing that the leadership of this Blue Jackets organization has done recently has really netted you much of anything the Goudreau signing was a, a great surprise and we were all very excited about it but it has not panned out the two coaching hires over the last few years both didn't work and well really three if you count babcock in the middle and then oh, two you, guys yes, you can count who've just been with the organization i would hope that the firing of yarmo shows that the blue jackets are ready to bring in new blood in the people who are controlling the team off the ice I, you can bring in new players obviously trades you know and trading for assets and getting picks that can bring in new players but i just want to see the guys who wear suits on nights in nationwide arena that's who i want to see be different people
4: yeah, second, third. Absolutely. And they made the first move. Like, this was the right call. This yes. was the right call at the right time. Coming up next,
3: Big Ten and SEC, they want more meaningful games in November. We'll tell you what that really means. Bishop and Friends right here on The Fan.
0: We are your radio home for the Buckeyes, Browns, and all the NFL games you can handle. We may have a bit of a football problem
7: oh, yeah change the game on identity theft save up to 25 percent your first year at lifelock.com slash aware
0: keep your friends close and your producers closer you're listening to big and friends
3: chaps and reese are with you until noon today you heard in the update there Blue Jackets made a switch at the top not head coach GM Yarmo Kekalainen is out uh John Davidson will take over and he will have a press conference today at 11:30 which we will bring to you live so stay tuned for that Until it gets
4: boring which could be a
3: minute or two in we'll, we'll have to see what they're what they're going to say about this I I'm very interested to to hear as far as not just making the decision but like formulating what are the next steps than here, and it's it's interesting that John Davidson is the one going after for the presser because Yarmo getting fired does feel like there's a little bit of a link between those two guys. They Just worked, a little. I, you know, JD had the time where, where he left the Blue Jackets, but obviously he and Yarmo had worked together a long time in two different stints here in Columbus, so... Yarmo Kekalainen, no longer the GM, Chris Holtman, no longer the head basketball coach. Some major firings here in Columbus recently.
10: And don't forget this relationship between those two goes back to their days with the St. Louis Blues as well. So the uh, Yarmo was their it's a head. Three of, different stints, yeah. Yarmo yeah. was the head of their scouting while JD was in that position and really got the Blues back to prominence there for a while. So yeah, this is a long-standing relay. These guys are friends.
3: Yeah, and uh, we got the Blues going on right now for. Uh, higher-ups in sports organizations here in the city. As far as higher-ups in the Big Ten, well, we talked last week about how new commissioner Tony Petiti was teaming up with Greg Sankey to have a working group with the SEC to try to figure out what they want to do with with college football because they are the two most powerful conferences and th- they're the ones that are going to make these moves possible and whatever they're going to be. But also something Tony Petitti has recently thrown out there, and this was with an interview to ESPN yesterday. He wants the college football with the expansion to create and cultivate more games with college football playoff implications throughout the season from Tony Petitti to ESPN. Quote, we got some work to do to figure out what that future model is, because obviously it has real impact on your regular season. You want to make sure that your teams have the ability to have a breakout season and qualify. And we also have to be realistic about what should get you access in terms of number of wins. Look, we want meaningful games late in the season. We want fans to think that you know, a game in the second week of November, even if you've already lost two or three games still has a lot of value. That's the goal. So we've said this a lot on this show and the big 10, Really, for the first time, officially taking the stance. If you read between the lines of what Sankey has always been saying for the last few years, and now it looks like Petiti is, you know, pretty close to lockstep with that. That in our league, because it has this many teams and this many teams of a certain caliber, the SEC, you know, probably even more so than the Big Ten, but the addition of those West Coast teams starting this upcoming season does put the Big Ten into that conversation too. In this league, Our three losses are better than your one in the ACC and the Big 12 and then even further down the list into the Group of Five stuff and the Big 10 and the SEC in a 12-team playoff in probably a 5-plus-7 model, five automatic qualifiers or conference champions, seven at-large, are trying to take the lion's share of those at-large.
4: Yeah, he understands that we're trying to make good television here. You're trying to make compelling television and you're trying to make games that... Actually, matter for playoff implications, not one-offs. Do you go well? It doesn't really matter, or well that you know is not a game that's a what a, a, a Big Ten protected plus system, <laughs> uh, whatever they wanted to call that thing. Flex plus, <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> like that. This is we're going to give you the best. We're going to give you the consumer the best games. I mean, he, he's saying it in a in very much a. A veiled sense of these are going to matter in terms of college football playoff implications but games like that are going to draw the most eyeballs and games like that are going to be the most rewarding to uh fox to cbs in case you didn't know cbs is home of the big 10 i guess I all three cbs commercials big 10 on cbs commercials during the super bowl and so it's like those are what we're trying to make for our television sponsors, and then for the college football playoff to insert ourselves into that national conversation every single week and doing it on CBS.
3: Yeah, sorry. I just had to take an opportunity. It's just too good. I was wondering, I
4: was like, what the hell is he doing?
3: It's just too good. I just have to play it if we ever mention CBS. It's still labeled as SEC on CBS, but now. Change that. Yeah, it's officially Big Ten on CBS as they are not sharing that with the SEC this upcoming season as they did the past year. I I like that Tony Petiti because, you know, we're talking about the read between the lines thing of the our three losses are going to be better than Florida State's one loss team. And they want to get that out there Just and that our idea out there are better. And they want to prime people to be ready for that, that it because, you know, the NFL or the Big Ten going with like that NFL TV model. That's kind of what they're going for is that like it's, it's that competitive in this league that it's going to be like the NFL where a loss doesn't completely kill you. And some people do think, oh, that waters down the regular season. I argue the opposite that I think there are some games Ohio State, Michigan this year in a 12-team playoff, is not going to be the same do-or-die situation it's for those teams. L- it's as It's not it was an, at- an eliminator. Yes. So there will be certain... But it still means something. It still means winning the Big Ten and having a better seat and, and possibly getting a bye. I think
4: it's going to be something that... not it, it hasn't been talked about enough, in my opinion, that those games late are going to matter so much because of where you can be seated. Are you hosting a playoff game? Or do you have to travel across the country for a playoff game? And we don't obviously have any data on this because it hasn't happened yet in terms of college football playoff expansion... But you're adding more games to the season, you're adding more weeks to the calendar year, you're adding more. So how is that going to affect teams when they've got to go from a Columbus to maybe a Los Angeles, or they've got to go from Columbus to Tuscaloosa, or maybe even Atl- or Athens to Columbus in December?
3: It's also a thing where I understand as a, as Buckeye fan, you want the Michigan game to be that top priority. Everything. I don't think it's going to lose that luster amongst the players and us as a fan base. And you know, the Michigan fan base as well. I don't think they're going to lose it and say, well, we'll just, we'll just make the playoff anyway. So who cares about Ohio state? No, I think that rivalry is still going to be cultivated, but for every game that maybe loses just a little bit of its luster, I would argue that there's probably going to be because you're tripling the amount of teams that make the playoff three to four times. As many important games, and that's what Tony Petiti is trying to say here, that when, say, Washington, you know, they're coming off national runners-up. They lost to Michigan in the national championship. Say they drop a game early. They've got a nice out-of-conference game or an early Big Ten game against another big opponent. A lot of times in the 14 playoff, if you're not Georgia, Ohio State, or Bama, that pretty much wrote you off. That's, ah, well, they can't make the playoff. Who cares about them? And that's how we've treated it in college football. But now that team has an opportunity to not withstand even just one loss, maybe even two, and Tony Petiti and Greg Senke, maybe even three. I think that's going to be an interesting one to look at. But. There will be more important games with playoff implications of teams that you may be right off at the beginning of the year. The Wisconsin's, the Michigan State's, when they are good. Penn State, who has never been able to crack into the 14 playoff. They will play very important games down the stretch. And as a college football fan, I am here for it. And I don't think it waters down the regular season. I think it adds importance to a lot more games that
4: previously were just other college football games. I do hope that this isn't an implicit step towards eliminating non-conference, like quality non-conference games to start the season. Like we don't use this, well, the 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 conference slate's so strong on the back end or games in October and November are so strong in the Big Ten that there's really no need to go out to the SEC or to the Big 12 for games at the beginning of the season.
3: If that's the case, then just play out an entire Big Ten schedule. I don't need to see Ohio don't State need, play Marshall. No, I do not need to see him play Bowling Green. They got OU
4: next season. Yeah, if you're just gonna two
3: if you're just gonna essentially punt on out of conference, then why are we even doing it? Because yeah. they're glorified scrimmages when these teams come into the horseshoe. You give them a million five or whatever, and then the Buckeyes win seventy to seven okay, great, that was fun. No, it's not fun. Like So if you're talking about, oh, I want more important games in November, well, also remember that there should be more important games in August and September as well, that November is not the only thing that people have eyeballs on, that they want to be entertained by this. I also saw this uh continuing his comments to ESPN from Petiti, this one too, quote, When you're as deep as we are, we've got to do things to make sure that we have the access to the postseason that we think we deserve and has to be earned on the field. I'm a big believer in that, and that helps your regular season. More teams playing more meaningful games later in the season. I think we still can do more there. So I'm interested what he means by I think we can still do more there because I think naturally, like I was saying, the 12-team expansion does create more of those games. But are they going to try to cultivate the schedule to – line up the teams that they think might be in there does say you know you taking a step down does Iowa Wisconsin does that be, become a priority to be in November because they might be fringe top 15 and if one of them wins that could be a, a possible playoff thing because they know Ohio State and Michigan and Penn State and Oregon and Washington and hopefully USC, a little bit of a down year, but they should be on that level with Lincoln Riley. It's kind of our expectation that those teams are have going to have a consistent diet chances to make the playoff. But I also think that they are trying to say we want those teams when they have those years that things come together. They've got a lot of seniors on the roster. They've got one star player that's lifting them, the Wisconsin's, the Iowa's, the Michigan State's of the conference. They can now get the opportunity to make the four the 12-team playoff because they really didn't have a chance. You had to be
4: perfect and no, you were never really even, allowed into the velvet ropes Like no. you could wait outside and like, maybe there's a chance. And that was kind of always floated. Like, ah, you could, you know,
3: maybe closest you got was Michigan State made in 2015 when they beat uh 12 and 0 Iowa yep. in the big 10 title game. But we also saw that probably both of those teams weren't up to the par of those teams. But now you're talking about in the earlier rounds when you're not playing the top four, they might actually be competitive in there, and that'll be really interesting, too. If the Big Ten and the SEC get some of these teams that do have two and three losses into the 12-team playoff, what do they look like? Do they Are they strong performers, or do they fall on their face, and how is that going to affect the committee's
4: decision-making going forward? It's a lot of moving parts as we move in to the playoff being expanded. But you're going to hear, I think, a lot more from Tony Petiti and Greg Sankey on, right now, doing things to establish a stronger position for their conference come playoff reveal time. And this is just one of many that you'll hear from Petiti, probably one of many that you'll hear and have heard from Greg Sankey. It's it's all about positioning your guys, your conference to the best possible spot and helping to appease your TV uh, partners in the same.
3: All All right, right, so if it's five plus seven, you're talking about the four major conferences i don't think we're going to run into an issue where like a, a power four gets left out there was a chance at the six plus six model that a power five could get left out i could see the, you know we had that one year where the both Tulane, i think it was and uc were ranked ahead of the pac-12 champion but that was in the 2020 year where obviously a very strange season but in the five plus seven model i think you're gonna have those those four the acc big 12 big 10 and sec and then a group of five Then there's seven more spots. In most years, is that going to boil down? Because this is what they want, and they are the the strongest people in college football. Is that going to boil down to three Big Ten, four SEC, or four Big Ten, three SEC? Petiti is trying to argue it should be four Big Ten. And it's hard looking at the makeup, especially of the Big 12, for me to see... An argument that the other teams should be yep. in there. Now, you don't know what's going to happen every given season. Maybe Oklahoma State was amazing one year, but lost to who eventually won the Big Twelve, and they are a team that's worthy. But predicting year in
4: and year out, especially in the Big Twelve, in the AC seasons ago, I think, Kansas I think, State won the conference championship game. Right, the TCU made the College Football Playoff. In the ACC, you're going to have your champion. I think that's going to be a good team,
3: but is Clemson still up to that caliber? Is Can Miami be up there? Florida State has played well recently, but it's not going to be the same argument as the SEC having Alabama and Georgia and Texas and Oklahoma and LSU and Florida, those kind of programs, and then the Big Ten having OSU, Michigan, Penn State, Washington, Oregon, USC, and that's just the, the top tier of it. it I don't, and I'm also interested as this is being floated more publicly, what are the other conferences going to say about these kind of comments? Because I think it's pretty clear that the Big Ten, and the SEC wants it to be that way, where they get basically all of the at-larges.
4: I, I do think during their media days, they make similar comments. They think, well, we think our brand is as strong, is just as strong as any in the country. We think our teams are just as competitive. As any in the country, nobody's going to be taking direct, nobody's swinging up in this instance, just like Petiti and Senke won't swing down, but they're going to make cases for their conferences. They're going to have their representatives, not only to the playoff committee, but the playoffs board of managers to make sure that, you know, we are just as represented as those other two. It's just you have the Big Ten and the SEC in bed with the major broadcast companies, and even with the SEC that's got theirs in with Mickey Mouse and with ESPN. Then I also think, you know, as we're discussing all of this, how is it going to work with the three companies coming together and offering that kind of sports a la carte app? Mm -hmm. Like, then where do other conferences, where do maybe some group of five step up? And then the Pac-12 is, who knows? It still technically exists. Coming
3: up, we're getting the renewal of at least one great rivalry. Thanks to Conference Realignment, Bishop and Friends on the fan.
0: A lot has changed in 30 years, but we're still that old shoe that feels worn
7: in and well-loved. And, well, we smell a little, but you've accepted that. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game-changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Not interested in
4: Iowa football? Too bad. Shops will tell you about it anyway. This is Bishop and Friends. There is no better time to sign up for the Typico Sportsbook app and get it on the betting action than right now. With basketball, hockey, and the biggest college hoops tournament in March... Just around the corner, there's plenty of games to bet on and win big. Take advantage of Tipico's massive odds boosts for the biggest payouts. Try Tipico's new parlays, where you can pick how many legs you need to hit and cash in on your bets, even if you miss a leg or two. Claim Tipico's new sign-up bonus now. Get $100 in bonus bets when you bet $25. Sign up now and enter promo code The Fan 100 That's the Fan 100 to get your bonus. Download the Tipico Sportsbook app today. If you're driving, do it later, but do it now if you can. Must be 21 or older and physically located in Ohio. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER.
3: Yesterday on Twitter it was passed along from some sort of stand up from Texas, Texas AD, yeah. Chris department. Del
4: Conte had a PowerPoint
3: presentation. <laughs> yes, he was standing up in front of a didn't it just say like we will play Texas A M every year?
4: Oh, he said it, but I think the the PowerPoint slide was questions and answers. It was yeah, it, it didn't look it like Every a very corporate p- meeting you've ever been to it looked like just like that.
3: Didn't look like the greatest PowerPoint of that he spent too much time on it. But either way, the news from it was good. Chris Del Conte AD at Texas says that Texas will play Texas A and M annually in football. And his hope is to move it back to Thursday of Thanksgiving week. Why say Thursday of Thanksgiving week when you can just say Thanksgiving? I'm sorry. I sometimes get held up on the semantics of how people talk. Very held up on this. But
4: that's ridiculous. Why would you ever say it that way? He just did. I don't know. I... I don't pay that. Right. I've never paid enough attention. Does it get said more than that? I have less respect
3: for Chris Del Conte at this point because that's ridiculous. It's Everybody knows Thanksgiving is on Thursday. What, do they not know that down in Texas? Maybe he doesn't. All right. Well, we get Texas and Texas AM back, and hopefully it could be played on Thanksgiving, but obviously the Egg Bowl has really taken over that and been a, a big deal. I was for, just for about people.
4: to ask because that's a, you know, they're all four SEC teams, but it does factor that Old Miss and Mississippi State have. That's their day.
3: Well, and the funnier thing, too, is if they don't go to the primetime one because Ole Miss and uh, Mississippi State have taken that over, Texas, a- like are Texas and Texas a m going to play when the Cowboys You're are playing? You're knocking
4: against the Dallas Cowboys. Because they
3: are always the middle one yep. on Thanksgiving Day. The He's Lions are first. Then it's like... So could they play... I mean, they could go up against
4: Detroit. That wouldn't be a bad thing. And Maybe I he minded. meant Wednesday. So you play that night before? I don't think so. I okay. think he meant the... I don't know,
3: but either way, we're getting that rivalry back. So there's good. There is some good things about conference realignment, but it got me thinking, okay, with all these new teams added, and I, I wanted to list them all down in case anybody forgot the Big 10's adding USC, UCLA, Washington and Oregon. The SEC is adding Texas and Oklahoma. The ACC adding Cal, Stanford and SMU, probably the hardest one to remember. And then the Big 12 adding Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, Utah, plus in addition to adding last year, BYU, UCF, Cincinnati, and Houston. So for the four major conferences there, because the Pac-12 didn't add anybody, and uh, I guess Washington State and Oregon State can be a really fun rivalry going forward, but that's not the one I'm interested in. Of these new teams that are added, it's cool that we get to reignite a rivalry, and maybe some of them can do that as well. But what other rivalries do we want to foster going forward? I'll start with one that uh, I want to see actually in the SEC along with their other new addition, Oklahoma. And for some reason, this one stands out to me because Georgia has enough rivals. Tennessee has enough rivals. Bama has enough rivals. Florida has a fair amount, but they're not all in the SEC, obviously out of conference with Florida State. And I like the idea of kind of Oklahoma and Florida in kind of a diagonal sense, bookending the region and playing each year and the Florida and Oklahoma are two programs that I think can be on each other's level most of the time. So I think it would be a competitive game and I like Gators and Sooners. I like the Sooners going to the swamp and the Gators having to go to to Norman every other year. That would be
4: one that I'd be really interested in. I think Ohio State should play UCLA or USC every year. The USC, USC one, I think, is, yeah, the, the easy slam dunk If you're not going to give us Ohio State-Penn State every year, at least give us Ohio State-USC every year.
3: I also want to see maybe something naturally occur between those new West Coast teams and the Big Ten West. I don't know who it'll be, but I, I want to see, like, is there any truth to this idea that, like, oh, USC has to, to come up here up north. Obviously, Oregon and Washington deal with cold weather as well. Not quite the same as the, like, upper Midwest that you get in Minnesota and Wisconsin, but they they've dealt with that. But is that going to be any truth there? And what will those, what will the competitiveness of that be like? Will the big 10 try to cultivate that? Cause they got it successfully with Nebraska uh, they tried to push Iowa and Nebraska together to create a rivalry. And over the years, those two fan bases have grown to hate each other. And that's the beauty of college sports. When you can hate, <laughs> when you can hate another fan base, just because they wear the other colors to you. And I, th- that's what I want to see in the big 10. Like where can those happen naturally? Is there any other uh, sec
4: ones that you would like to see? Not particularly. Yeah, I guess we kind like of cover said, Texas and yeah, Oklahoma. Yeah, Texas and
3: Oklahoma do it. What about the other two conferences?
4: Well, so for Rutgers, who probably shouldn't even be in consideration for what the $80 million a year they're about to cash, make them go to the West Coast every single year. Like, have Rutgers do a round robin of. Now, you could start at the top of the Pacific Northwest. You can start Washington, then go to Eugene, then have them go to L.A., and then go to L.A. the next year. Like the Jackets taking every their West Coast. Every single <laughs> year, Rutgers has to do it. Don't make the other teams go to Piscataway. Make Piscataway go out to Los Angeles. And make rutgers foot the bill for it that's
3: i i like that idea i don't know if it's going to cultivate interesting
4: and fun games nothing but, rutgers does cultivates interest
3: well greg shiano called out michigan and then that kind of got the whole ball rolling with the connor stallions thing so that was you could maybe okay, give so him credit thank for you that. greg
4: shiano yes the that medal's was in the mail bud
3: as far as the big 12 in the acc no not as much interest there but i think the big colorado 12, I think the slam dunk with the Big 12 is, and they've played periodically, they've played a ton in the past, but BYU and Utah, that one makes the most sense, they haven't played since 2021, now they're going to be in the same conference, that has to be
4: annually. Is that that national interest? It's definitely definitely, regional interest, and I know the two programs want to play each other, but where do you put that game if you've got an Ohio State-Penn State, or if you've got a a one-off Ohio State-Iowa, or Ohio State-Wisconsin, Like, does that take over? I think it's a fair point, but I mean, if we're talking about
3: the Egg Bowl and how exciting that is, or the Civil War, just the Egg Bowl relation to
4: SEC property on Thanksgiving Day, and these two SEC teams trying to take it over is an interesting conversation for that. But I just the BYU thing does next to nothing. From, I, they've, from got my a big, they've got a
3: big fan base and it's national and Utah has been a really good program. Now, I'll be excited for the Utah and BYU matchup in, in the years to come. But no, it's not at the top of my list. That's why I was saying like, I think this is a little bit difficult. I think with the ACC... You got to get SMU and, like, Miami. You got to get something cultivated there. because it gets
4: a giant bag of cash. Yes,
3: two flashy programs that have been in trouble with paying athletes in the past. They, the, you know, the storylines write themselves somewhere. Plus, you got to throw a bone to give SMU something that makes them more interesting to people at large. Because you're not paying them for, I think it's like seven years. Yeah, they're
4: not a full money-making member. For a long while. They're not making any of the TV nope. money to start. And then they're, they got, you know, the news
3: came down from the CFP that they're not even getting the full Power 5 payout. It's somewhere between the group of five and the Power 5, but it's not going to be that full five to six million dollars that all the other teams are going to get from the playoffs. So throw SMU something, give them a true rivalry and cultivate it and broadcast it and uh, advertise it as something that is a big deal. And I think going back to BYU and Utah, your mark has been really proactive. Their commissioner down there of what he's doing with the basketball. And I wonder if the big 12 will try to say, Ooh, let's try to take over some Friday nights. Let's try to take over some Thursday nights and create maybe something there. And that's where I think some of these games can live for those conferences to break through what you were saying that the Big Ten the SEC are going to have naturally non-rival games that are going to be very oh, interesting yeah, they year. have a
4: monopoly just because of interest right now and so I wonder Paul
3: Feinbaum he joins us next I'm not going to ask him about Iowa guys I promise Bishop and Friends on the fan
0: the Ohio State Coaches Daily Show is brought to you locally on the fan by Credit Union of Ohio oh!
11: This is the Ohio State Basketball Daily Show brought to you by Incova Insurance. Paul Keels here with Ron Stokes and the news coming down yesterday that Chris Holtman dismissed as Ohio State's head basketball coach. Uh, Ron, certainly a surprise, especially the fact that this happened in the midseason, wasn't it?
2: Yeah, it is because uh, like with any coach, you want to be able to continue to fight and try to help your team win games and, and uh, try to persevere. And uh, it's unfortunate. Uh, um, uh, it's part of the business, unfortunately, when these types of things happen, Paul. You know, from our standpoint, we get to know these coaches, their families, and it's a really difficult thing. Um, you just kind of feel bad for everyone that's involved, the, the coaching staff and um, the university, the players, and everything. So hopefully uh, things will continue to work out.
11: All right, we'll have another comment in just a moment.
12: Hi, I'm Archie Griffin, two-time Heisman Trophy winner. The right coverage can be a game-changer both on and off the field. That's why Encova Insurance and their local independent agents are prepared for what's next and protect what matters most to you. Whether that's your home, car, business, or family, encova has got your back with a policy that fits you perfectly. With local independent agents in your neighborhood and innovative insurance products that can be tailored to fit your unique needs, Encova's playbook is an easy win for your peace of mind. You can trust their team of agents to develop a strategy that's just right for you. And it's not just X's and O's. Your expert agent will guide you and provide insurance solutions so you can confidently manage your risk and count on a financially secure future. For auto, home, and business insurance, you want Encova on your team. Visit Encova.com today to find an agent near you. Encova is a proud sponsor of Ohio State Athletics. Go Bucks!
1: look around listen there are a lot of tough questions questions about people and technology about how we interact with our world and with each other at ohio state we champion people and their potential because
11: here anything everything is possible talking with ron stokes the day after ohio state makes the decision to remove uh, chris Holtman as head basketball coach and you mentioned in the first segment ron this not only affects the head basketball coach but it affects the assistants Staff members, a number of people, as well as most importantly, their families.
2: Yeah, absolutely. There's so many people, so many moving parts, Paul. And you know, from the outside looking in, people say it's just the head coach, but you know, you got assistant coaches, the the each coach has their respective family, and then you got the players and 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 each one from freshmen, sophomore juniors and seniors, so it, it impacts everyone. So, um, it's, again, it's, a, it's part of this, this business. And, you know, you can call it college basketball, but it's a business when it comes to hiring and, and uh, letting coaches go. So this is just the unfortunate part that we all have to deal with. And, and uh, the people that are hit most is the families and the players.
11: This is the Ohio State Sports Network from Learfield. Is it time to upgrade your financial
1: situation, whether you're shooting for financial goals or making a fast break towards savings? Credit Union of Ohio is on your team. If you live in Central or Northeast Ohio, you could score big with affordable loans and competitive savings. Enjoy Credit Union of Ohio's fast and easy online application process and make a slam dunk when it comes to your financial needs. Start winning at cuofohio.org. That's cuofohio.org. Federally insured by NCUA.
13: Everybody knows that Roosters is a fun, casual joint with their award-winning waitstaff, great food, fun, and laughter. It's a quick stop on the way home to sit back and unwind or grab a carryout. Roosters is where you, your family, and friends can order pizza, sandwiches, salads, and more, and the home of award-winning wings that are fresh, never frozen. It's your family's other dinner table. Roosters, a fun, casual joint.
7: Uh- Taking the art of sports radio
0: and day drinking to a whole new level. You're listening to Big Up and Friends.
3: Hanging out with just the friends today, Chop and Eric or Chops, I got my own name wrong. We're heading out to the Brian Heating and Cooling Systems Fan Guest Hotline to talk to Paul Feinbaum of ESPN, the Paul Feinbaum Show, SEC Network. You can see him all over the place, and including here every Thursday at 10.33. Paul, we were just talking in the previous segment about Texas announcing that they're going to start doing uh, the Texas, Texas A&M annual rivalry and that they would hope to put it on Thanksgiving Day. But... How does that coincide with both the Dallas Cowboys playing in the middle of the day and the Egg Bowl has taken over the evening slot in the SEC for that? Do you think that's something that they're going to be able to get? And where in the day part of Thanksgiving would the game be?
5: Yeah, well, it it seems to me that uh, from probably 1 o'clock on, you, you have to throw football. I mean, the Lions always play in that early game. As well, I think that would be a challenge unless they unless they get it at night. Um, and and I don't know the particulars. I know that everything in the SEC is is trying to cater and welcome Texas and Texas A and M. And but but I, but even though this may not sound very wild to your audience, the uh, one of the nastiest rivalries I've ever encountered, and I spent most of my life covering the Alabama Auburn game. Is is the Mississippi State all Miss game? It never fails. I mean, there's a fight. I remember a couple of years ago, the game was decided when, when a uh, wide receiver actually uh, did a a dog urination uh, after a celebration, and it cost them. Uh, it cost them the game, and the co- it cost the coach his, his job. So there's a lot into that rivalry.
4: Yeah, I would hate to see the Egg Bowl moved off of that. But if I guess Texas and Texas A and M were to ask for that, Paul, do you think that the Longhorns could have that kind of pull this early on into the conference or the SEC rally around having that historic rivalry like the Egg Bowl be, just remain in place?
5: Uh, If they really wanted, I think they'll get it. Uh, Texas is, uh, this is going to be an interesting marriage. Uh, as I know the Big Ten is welcoming. I would say it's comparable to to Southern Cal coming into the Big Ten. While while it may be uh, from a foreign land, they carry a lot of weight. And Texas and Texas a and I think, uh, would easily be a bigger television draw than the Egg Bowl.
3: Paul, throughout your years, you've obviously talked to a ton of coaches, a ton of players, and you know a ton of fans calling in to your show. And I'm sure people have brought this up or talked about it before, but we finally got what seems like an official announcement from the EA Sports College Twitter changing their Twitter bio to coming this summer, full reveal in May. <laughs> How important in your conversations with all three of those people, fans, players, coaches, is the college football game to them?
5: I think it's a big deal uh, for a lot of the reasons, uh, but it's been gone so long, and uh, I, you know, it, it, it's been so controversial. And I know a lot of people really care about it. I mean, I, th- I had a call yesterday. Who, who do you think is going to be on the cover? Uh, now we've seen that, but so I, I think it's I think it's a big deal. Uh, and, and as you guys know, it, it's February fifteenth. There's not much college football news.
4: Paul Feinbaum our guest Paul have they or would they ask you to do a rendering for that game to have the Paul Feinbaum character as part of the EA college
5: football universe I do know it came up I don't think it was <laughs> it was taken uh but uh, somebody I I definitely uh know for a fact raised it to the game people they probably said that crazy show no way um but I you know I listen uh everybody feels very strongly about their show and, and my feeling about our show is we, we are probably not the best sports show in America, but we have the best callers in America, and I will argue that through my final day on the earth.
4: I mean, your show is part of the fabric of the SEC, and, and so it would factor that they would at least want to have some sort of representation of that the fanatic fan base in that game. What would be your ask, like in a hypothetical, Paul? EA Sports comes to you and says, we want to put Paul Feinbaum and the Paul Feinbaum Show on our game in some form or fashion. What then do you go, okay, but I'm going to need this?
5: Well, what I would want, it's not so much me uh, being represented because I I understand the way these things go. And and my guess is that they'll they'll cherry pick and go for the top stars uh, at ESPN, the the usual suspects. I would want uh, some some representation of after a, bad call a bad play a controversial call by a coach i want to hear from i want to hear from a fine bomb caller at that (laughs) at that moment in time um and you know again for those of you who may be new to our show we are the show that what uh 14 years ago had the guy who called in bragging about poisoning the tree at auburn he ended up going to jail for that so i mean listen uh everybody's got crazy callers we've got a couple of callers who, who, are, who are legitimate felons. We have another caller who uh, probably the best-known caller on our show, a guy named Legend. I mean, he, he's been to jail for murdering somebody. So uh, am I proud of that? You
3: better believe I am. <laughs> um, yeah, our afternoon show still loves to play the, the Let Them Live from the Bobby Petrino times. Uh, so that's, yeah, you're, no, across the college football world, your show definitely gets noticed and gets remembered because of those callers and all the characters that you've brought on in over the years. Okay, that's a little bit of fun. Something that you and Bo have talked about in the last few weeks, but just overall, uh, the idea that with the expansion of the college football playoff, the SEC really wants to be in a world where our two, our three loss teams are better than your one loss teams. And Tony Petiti, talking to ESPN, was kind of saying similar stuff, floating that, that there's going to be important games in November and that teams that lose a game early doesn't mean that they're out of it. Are the SEC and the Big Ten going to gun for all seven at-large bids if the five plus seven model does get voted on next week and approved?
5: I hope so, uh, because uh, I understand to get everybody in the room and to agree, they had to do certain things, such as the group of five. But listen, uh, I suffered a couple of years ago through Cincinnati and Alabama in the semifinals, and I know Cincinnati was undefeated, but they didn't—they didn't—they didn't belong in that game. And uh, quite frankly, Liberty wouldn't belong uh, next year. I mean, the idea that, let's say, Liberty uh, or Coastal Carolina or, or some variation of that is going to take a spot. Let's say Ohio State lost, for some reason, a third game next year. Or Penn, by, by the way, that's not going to happen. But uh, Penn State might be a better explanation. Or Michigan. I know I know fans are going, uh, if, you know, with Michigan's schedule, let's say they lose to Texas at the beginning of the year. Uh, very likely, uh, they lose Ohio State at the end of the year, and, and somehow they drop one more game on the road somewhere. Uh, are they are they better than an undefeated uh, Group of Five team? Uh, my my feeling is that they would be, uh, and and that's it. Just galls me uh, that we are we still have. I mean, I understand the you know, the NCAA basketball term for sixty eight there's sixty eight teams. There's there's room for everybody, but in a college football playoff, there's not room for everybody, and I don't want to see it. And it, there's already some concern based on the television uh, contract that that apparently has been agreed upon, that we're going to get weird nights, Thursday, Friday night games. And uh, the idea that Liberty goes to Penn State uh, and and we get stuck with a 35-3 to to game, I don't want to see it.
3: Talking to Paul Feinbaum on the Bryant Heating and Cooling Systems Fan Guest Hotline, I I, I hear you about the competitive imbalance, but what do the leaders in college football and the college football playoff, how do they... Reconcile the idea that all those group of five teams are technically eligible for the college football playoff, but they really don't want them there, and they don't think that they are competitive at that. So, what are those teams playing for?
5: Well, I mean, they're they're obviously playing for a spot in in, in a bowl game, uh, and you know that I don't mind that, and you know we we had that this year with with Liberty, and you know every once in a while it ha- it, it, it works out too. I think what, what was it a couple of years ago? Uh, was it Tulane or somebody? Um, uh, you know, beat Southern Cal. Mm-hmm. That's okay in a bowl game, but I don't, I don't want to see it in the playoff. And, I mean, just imagine if the NFL decide, okay, the final wild card. It, it go, and, by the way, this has happened in the NFL a couple of years ago. You had a team with a losing record winning the NFC South. I mean, that's absurd, too, but that's already baked into the cake. I mean, at least it's a professional team playing on the same level uh, a group of five teams just aren't on the same level as the big 10 and the sec.
4: Paul, what'd you make of the college football playoff committee choosing ward manual as its next chair? <laughs> <laughs> I mean,
5: I, I, I was, I, I, I guess I laughed. Um, I just, uh, and maybe it's a reward for having to suffer through nine years of, of, of Jim Harbaugh. And, you know, one thing I, I, I do admire about Ward, uh, I mean, he, He's moved quickly past Harbaugh. Uh, you guys heard the same things out that we heard about uh, his dislike for Harbaugh. And, and I, I know this is not going to be the most objective opinion anybody's ever offered on your on your era, But if somebody can't stand Jim Harbaugh, he's a friend of mine.
3: Yeah, there a lot of people. I mean I mean that's at all the stops that Jim Harbaugh has made throughout his career, but he does appear to coach good ball, so I guess uh, he's on to the Chargers. Now, Paul, thanks for joining us every Thursday. We really appreciate your insight in college football.
5: It's a pleasure. Thank you guys.
3: He's Paul Feinbaum of the Paul Feinbaum Show, SEC Network, ESPN, Sirius XM. He's everywhere, including here. Bishop and Friends T's uh coming up, a thing or not a thing, as the uh CBJ gets something we've wanted for a long time. Bishop and Friends on the fan.
0: We have so many local shows, I can't fit them in a 10-second promo
7: so let's just say we're live and local all damn day every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss plus with a u.s based restoration specialist on your team you won't have to face drained accounts fraudulent loans or other losses from identity theft alone all backed by the Lifelock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at Lifelock.com slash aware.
0: Sports conversation that's worthy of a toast, or at least a stiff drink. You're listening to Bishop and Friends.
3: Every day for almost six years, we do this at the same time. Thing or not a thing.
6: Thing or not a thing. Sponsored by Apex Plumbing Pros.
10: All right, Baker, what do we got today? all right guys so the blue jackets are one of just three nhl franchises that have never played in an outdoor game but late last night the athletic confirmed reporting by the hockey news columbus that ohio stadium will get an outdoor nhl game on march 1st of 2025 it's going to be a stadium series game between the blue jackets and the detroit red wings thing or not a thing
3: It's great that the Blue Jackets finally get this. It's something that people around Columbus have been clamoring for for a long time. We've heard plenty of excuses of why it can't happen in the horseshoe. I'm not sure what changed about the horseshoe, but uh, all of a sudden it, it is able to happen. March 1st. Does make me a little nervous weather wise because I mean we've all experienced it over the last few weeks. It's sixty one day, it's forty the next. It's below freezing in the morning. It's fifty five by the time you you leave work. I I have my questions about how they're going to be able to pull off the ice, but either way, I'm very excited about it. I love the tie in with Ohio State, Michigan, with the 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 Red Wings making the right choice there to to pair those teams up. So you know the storylines write themselves, but. I agree that it, firing Arma Kekalainen was the right move. But really, Blue Jackets, you make your most significant front office move maybe ever an hour after this is like officially confirmed by the NHL. You finally get something that's good news that people have been excited for and wanting for this long, and you just cover it up with firing your
4: GM. It just feels like the organization sometimes can't get out of their own way. Well, I, to that point, I think that you made the right decision in terms of Dismissing Yarmo Kekalainen, I think that's just a, a bad coincidence. In a crappy season, you should have taken some time well, to let
3: the exciting news breathe. I,
4: I don't disagree with you there, considering there hasn't been much good news for no. the Blue Jackets. You asked what changed. I'll tell you, Ohio State leadership changed. And so you've got Top Gun Ted, now you've got Ross Bjork as the athletic director. Not saying, as I've said in the past bomb the shoe or blow it, you know, because Top Gun Ted's got, you know, <laughs> ordinance that he could maybe drop on the thing. But the idea behind making changes to Ohio Stadium to facilitate this type of event will likely have to be made. And so the NHL is not going to announce something without a guarantee that these will be happening. Or at least you would hope not. I wonder if that means,
3: hey, maybe grass could happen. Maybe they're no longer below the water table and that's not going to be an issue. But yeah, I mean, come on, your Ohio State. If it needs to be winterized, then do it. You're the Ohio State. Do Right. It.
10: Pipes have been bursting all winter, it sounds like, needs to happen anyway. (laughs) Uh, Guys, some more Jacket stuff. Earlier this week, they announced that Johnny Gaudreau will donate $1,000 to mental health resources for every point he scores through the remainder of the season. Now, this is something that Patrick Laine had been doing all year. Of course, he is uh, out now. Johnny wanted to do this to support Patty. He said that we miss Patty in the locker room. We miss seeing him around the rink and having him around the rink. When I saw he was doing that to start the season, Season. I thought it was awesome. It's for a great cause. And uh, he had to go into the program to deal with stuff like that. And I thought, what better way to support him than to pick up where he left off. Then Goudreau was asked about the timing of this, of course, with the uh, podcast remarks that were made last week mm-hmm. about Line A. And he said, I decided to do this over the All-Star break. I wanted to do it. Then kind of an idiot comes out and says some terrible things like that. It's tough to see that, especially when someone is going through something so tough thing or not a thing
3: yeah and that was just such an insensitive and just ignorant thing to say on there i'm not going to repeat what they said i'm not going to name their podcast by name or name the people by names because i don't think they deserve that kind of publicity but no you you can't say things like that when somebody's going through that I'm somebody who has struggled before with mental health and, and, and sought help for that kind of stuff. So I, I feel for Patrick Line and I Johnny Goudreau for taking over that stance as Line is still out of the lineup is he is dealing with whatever he's going through to take up the, the mantle of I'm going to donate a thousand dollars for every point I score and He's the leading point getter on the team. He's not the leading goal scorer, but he is the leading point getter because of all those assists that he's good at. So it, that'll be a, a nice little price tag for him to sign the check at the end of the season.
4: Yeah, an awesome thing uh, by Johnny Hockey. And his words, I think, said it best. An idiot comes out and says terrible things. So good on him for, and, and again, thinking of this before the All-Star break, that he was going to uh, help out with Line A's cause. and again this is just good people coming together to do good things so good on you johnny hockey
10: yeah and i'm glad that this isn't a reactionary thing to the podcast that he was doing this on his own what a scene last night detroit Pistons center isaiah stewart was arrested for assault for punching phoenix sun center drew eubanks at the arena hours before the teams played thing or not a thing
3: I actually hadn't seen this story, but I got a notification on my phone right before the show started, and I was like, oh, there was like a fight last night in an NBA game, and then I looked at it closer, and I was like, no, it wasn't in the game, it was just like these two just ran into each other somewhere in the bowels of the stadium, or was it on the court during like a switch off between shoot-arounds, I don't know, but no, you you can't do that, you can't just punch people, you can't punch people on the court, but... Usually that doesn't result in criminal charges because there's the idea that, yes, the tempers can flare and people can make mistakes and then the NBA can punish you for that. But, yeah, when it's not in the heat of the
4: game, it basically is just assault. Draymond Green should go on his podcast and say, hey, if you really want to punch somebody, just do it during the game. Then you just get suspended. (laughs) Then the legal just suspend you. Or Ron Artest would have a similar thing to say, like, just hit him in the game.
10: Chops, same thing. I saw this headline and I was like, I hate it when the police get involved in sports and then i was like oh this was not during the (laughs) game this is a guy
3: punching a guy they happen to be nba players
10: maybe this is understandable then (laughs) guys uh pitchers and catchers they reported to spring training yesterday thing or not a thing huge thing (laughs)
3: not a thing for me (laughs) baseball season baby (laughs) yeah give us your, your baseball preview who's gonna win the world series Cleveland Guardians. Oh ah, okay. Cincinnati Reds. Well they
10: could meet. <laughs> no. I, I would love that someday, Reese. That There's would...
3: <laughs> no bias in our baseball commentary here on Bishop and Friends.
10: Guys, the worst kept secret around the Notre Dame football program no longer is one. After months of delays, Notre Dame announced its new twelfth game for next season. It's a familiar opponent in a familiar venue. Ah, uh... They're going back to Yankee Stadium for the Shamrock Series against Army on November 23rd. Thing or not a thing?
4: Stop it's, playing football games at baseball stadiums. Yeah,
3: I'll second you on that one. They cle- it clearly just doesn't fit right, and then sometimes the field just gets a giant hole in it, like in the Iowa-Northwestern game. Remember, we were here on that Saturday when that was happening, and they were trying to repair that. So, I But the Shamrock series, that's fun. Notre Dame, I don't know if they do it on purpose or if, you know, sometimes scheduling out a conference and neutral site games may be hard to put together, but they've never lost. A Shamrock series game I was I was reading and then you know you look at the opponents and it's like okay it kind of makes sense but they they usually wear a special uniform they were out in Vegas this past season and anytime they play one of the service academies in a, in a big highlighted game that's just a classic of college football and they played the they played the four horseman game was in Yankee Stadium or it was it was across the river from Yankee Stadium way back in the day
10: Then, guys, last one here, and I'll admit this one got me this morning a little bit. One of the most iconic voices in golf, Vern Lundquist, will be calling the Masters for a final time this April. CBS announced yesterday it will be the 83-year-old broadcaster's 40th call at Augusta.
3: We lost Uncle Vern from the college football calls a few years ago, and now we're only going to get one more time for him out there at Augusta. A tradition like any other, or unlike any other, um, Jim Nance still around as well, but Vern gone will be a voice that, yeah, we've all grown up with and heard every year on the dot at the, the same time. Yeah, it's a shame, but
4: good on Vern for that, an incredible career. Everybody's got to retire at some point. It would make so many people mad if they just said, and Tony Romo will be his replacement. <laughs> oh,
3: Jim, is he going to make oh, the Jim, <laughs> i just can't yeah just it's it's the silent moment of somebody if he sinks this putt he will win it's big <laughs> up next we'll try to beat the house but it'll take more than a weekend to see if these bets cash bishop and friends right here on the fan matty ice has a large tattoo on his calf of lebron eating a lion
0: i have nothing else to say rockman and ice
6: weekdays from noon to three
7: the fan drink recommendations movie reviews, sports
0: discussion or whatever the hell reser does this is bishop and friends
3: third hour of the program chops and eric Reeser with you today we'll be here the rest of the week and monday tuesday when i mean we're here all the time but bo will be back no next thursday off. uh who will not be back in his normal job is Blue Jackets GM, former GM now, Yarmo Kekalainen. He was fired today. The club announced officially this morning. John Davidson will take over for the GM job, at least for the remainder of this season. And we'll see what they do as far as hiring a GM as they get into the offseason. Maybe even other moves, possibly. But John Davidson will be speaking today in a little under about 27 minutes or so. And we're going to try to bring that to you live. And as you said earlier, until it gets uninteresting. Yeah, we'll do it until. Yeah. You just hear me. Go, All right. <laughs> that's I, I've heard enough. I've heard enough. that. Uh, but yeah, that'll be at 1130 in the Blue Jackets. it they're they're making the right move uh, for sure. Uh, this one does not have even the questions really, except for like covering up the Winter Classic news. Um, well, it's not the Winter Classic, the Stadium Series. Uh, stadium Series news. game coming to Ohio Stadium. <laughs> the timing Jackets, does Red in wins. no way perplex me. Which the the Holtman firing a little bit. I'm like I don't understand exactly why it had to happen on you know yesterday, but the Yarmouth one. It's really more of a why
4: didn't it happen sooner sooner. And I similarly I think the same with the with the Holtman news like they should have as soon as Gene Smith because he's talked about it yesterday said that he had been thinking about this. I think as soon as the thought comes into your mind, then you make the move because your gene is seasoned enough. He's been doing this long enough. And the writing has been on the wall, I think, for a while now. It was Adam Jardy, friend of the program, and a guy that covers Ohio State men's basketball for the Dispatch, was on with Morning Juice. You can find their podcast wherever you do your podcasting. He had said when they lost to Oral Roberts in the first round of the NCAA tournament as a Mm two-seed, that was kind of where the the cracks started to form that were really hard to ignore about this program. And I agree with that. And I think since then, it's felt for me of this program's not really building anything no and so I think the timing of the Holtman announcement gives Ross and Ted the new president the new athletic director a chance to figure it out together before they make that search begin officially once the season wraps
3: figure out what direction they want to go because you know Holtman was now
4: their program
3: Holtman was a younger guy coming from Butler It was a good basketball program but you know it's still a mid-major program it's not one of the power conferences but do they want to go with a, a more seasoned veterans. There's lots of names that have been thrown out there uh, for this job. Are they going to go with somebody who's been in coaching, head coaching for a very long time and brings in that kind of leadership? Or do they want to go young again? Do they want to find somebody with the power five? I guess it, the PAC 12 still exists. It's still power five technically there uh, with that kind of experience. I don't know, but yeah, there are names out there. I'm not going to pretend to know the X's and O's of each individual coach and what's going to bring. I'm going to trust the process of it. And and, uh, no, don't say trust the process. Don't say trust the process. (laughs) I'm going to trust the new leadership because so far, what they've been, what they have done and what they've been willing to do with the checks that they had to sign to bring in Chip Kelly to... From UCLA. That was only one and a half million, but hey, that's still one and a half million dollars. And then this one for Holtman at twelve point eight million. I like that. But back to Yarmo and the Blue Jackets as well. I It feels, you know, you were talking about, oh, when the cracks started to show. I don't know for sure when the cracks started to show. There's a lot of things, but the dam should have like completely opened when the whole Babcock thing happened leading into this season. I don't understand how you could say, I think our leadership did a good job and it just so happened that Mike Babcock was still a terrible person. No, that, that should have been on their heads. And eventually, now here we
4: are in February, it looks like that was one of the last straws. Well, it has been up to this point what appears to be an absentee ownership group. For the Columbus Blue Jackets. And so I think that's what you had with the Yarmo situation at the beginning of the season. So the, the Babcock thing happens and it left me wondering, well, why don't they just clean it now? Because you're now going into the season with a coach who twice in a interview process you did not think was going to be that guy. And I think through this season, it has shown that... While a good hockey coach, mm-hmm. not the guy that can lead a hockey organization or not the guy that can do a lot of the head coaching responsibilities, can coach up hockey, and even that's questioned at times with Pascal Vincent, but showing to, uh, showing Yarmo and J.D. right in that sense that he just wasn't the guy, and they passed over him twice, but with an ownership group that has been as absentee as this one for the Jackets, you think maybe something had to happen where today's news... Either something happened behind the scenes, or something was said, where today's news had to happen before the trade deadline. Maybe.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's it's good that it is before the trade deadline, and so that Yarmo is in 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 charge of that as a kind of you know somebody who's JD's on their way out the door. Of it,
4: so, but you that's somebody question that as well.
3: You got to put somebody in charge of it. That's you know, true. You can't hire a new GM. Put I wonder Baker too, in charge of it. I wonder too if at Let's the beginning go. of the season they were able to convince the mcconnell family that like no there are some good pieces here and this team is going to be competitive this year but i mean we knew pretty early on in the season i think there was a a statement that came
4: out in support of this front office shortly after the babcock stuff happened where there was ownership saying we trust in this process and they didn't use the same words but i read it as very much a you gotta trust our process what process at least the
3: 76ers made the playoffs and joel Embiid is an mvp I don't
4: have an answer for you, but (laughs) maybe some of those questions will be answered at 1130. I would doubt that we will carry JD's comments live on the fan until... And we are going to try
3: to figure out the future right now by looking at some NFL futures as we are done picking NFL games for the season. I had a pretty good run through the postseason. You were good as well. Sure, Bo did not live up to the expectations that he set he in the regular season. He games,
4: I think, over 500 in he, terms of regular season NFL games.
3: But yeah, it was a little off in Clobbered the postseason. The and I feel comfortable saying that because he's not here to hear me say it and not here to defend himself. You don't himself. think he's listening?
4: Oh, yeah. He's definitely listening. Played for, paid for the Wi-Fi on the plane. There's and- no way. You're not getting me to listen to a second of this station when I'm on vacation. Actually. You'd have to be a... I think you're a psychopath. If you're on vacation, you've got the fan on.
3: Bishop and Friends. You now work here. Now official partner of Insert Airline Here. It just plays on planes That's all day fine. long. That, that, let's get that partnership
4: Well, going. so this, this is interesting because some sports books do give you odds that... Where players are going to land, whether where players are going to take their first snaps in given seasons. Uh, our friends at Typico Sportsbook right now just have the Super Bowl odds up for next year. Uh, you got the Niners and the Chiefs, obviously the favorites um, for Super Bowl Fifty Nine in New Orleans, but. A royal sportsbook has odds for what team Justin Fields will take his first snap with in 2024, uh, and this was Tuesday. The Steelers are the favorites right now, with the Bears being behind them at plus 200. Again, Pittsburgh's minus 125, and then the Falcons, the Patriots, and the Broncos who are all looking, what will factor to be in the quarterback market once the new league year opens up in March.
3: I get the Steelers jumping ahead to the the odds-on favorite? favorite for this because you know they made the move; they cut Trubisky. Uh, he's a free agent, Mason Rudolph is, and they haven't really been tripping over themselves to try to re-sign him, it doesn't appear, although he was the best of the three this year, but that's not Bar saying very much. Kenny Pickett's still cheap, so you'll keep him around on his rookie deal, but I don't think he's getting a second deal, so th- I think they are on this, well, we got to find a new quarterback and they don't really fall off, so like, they're still a team that is pretty ready made the to, <laughs> to compete. Yeah, they made the playoffs just <laughs> like, a season ago. No and then business doing so. Still at a winning record this past year, so I, I guess that i don't understand though that the pay that the steelers move up to the top of the list and the bears
4: are second i i would not well it, i think in the last couple of days you've even heard national uh talking heads who despite what they want to tell you move the sports betting move sports lines yeah adam, well, Schefter also moves, playing adam public Schefter yeah. moves lines even jeff saturday on espn moves lines because he's on the worldwide leader but they had said that the bears some arguments had been made that the bears would keep fields take Caleb Williams number one overall and then try to do what they would think because they're idiots could be the Kansas city model, despite not actually having players of that caliber in there.
3: Yeah. We talked about that yesterday or two days ago. And the idea like now fields one fields is still like at the beginning of his career. So he's still developing. He's not ready to be a steward to hand off a thing. And he also is only three years in. So, yeah, he definitely has more insight than somebody who's a rookie, but it's not like he's this 10-year veteran. And who yeah, he's not teach-
4: trying to shepherd a new quarterback no. to... Lead the Chicago Bears, a team he, I'm sure, would still like to lead. I don't believe there's any. I think that is
3: draft, get picks for, for for Fields kind of smokescreen. Maybe there's a chance they still want to stick with them, but there has been almost no talk of them, like, officially. We've talked about it hypothetically, but of them trading out of the number one pick. I think they're going to use the number they one pick. They
4: want reportedly historic compensation, and they got a lot last year. And so I wonder what they could possibly be thinking would be the, the, the recoup Or trading out a one.
13: But yeah, as far
3: as these odds go for these teams, uh, the Steelers, it's just not good enough money. But I would go with the Falcons plus 600. That's not, this isn't real advice, but I think that's probably, like, if you're actually looking for, like, some value in it, that one, I think, has real chance. I don't think the Patriots and the Broncos, who are also listed here, are that realistic for it but the Falcons I mean they've been a quarterback away for two or yeah. three years and they've got a new head coach Arthur Blank is is an owner who's not afraid to spend money or spend assets to to get everything involved so that I like that one and I think that would be a really fun place for Justin Fields to go to imagine going from Soldier Field remember when they played even in the good weather part of the year. They still had that monsoon game a couple of years ago against the opener against San Francisco. Yeah. Yeah. Now you get to go down and play in the, the Mercedes-Benz Dome. It's you never have to worry about weather.
4: For Fields, he can go home. Um, this from Jerry Dulac of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Uh, he, quote, can't imagine Fields wanting to sign with a team where he won't be the number one quarterback. And he does not believe the Steelers are in a market are in the market for a number one quarterback. Again, this of uh, Jerry Dulack of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, and I can't imagine why the Steelers would not be in the market for a number one quarterback.
3: What do you mean? So it's Kenny Pick, like it can't be Mason Rudolph, like I, I like I said, he did play better than the other quarterbacks this year for the Steelers, but it wasn't. You can't better. I and mean, you
1: you
4: absolutely can. <laughs> like I sit here and say that's not logical, but how often do we see NFL teams do things that are illogical? It's it's weird to think that the Pittsburgh Steelers would be in that camp. Like, this is a Browns move, out, uh, absolutely. They're just be like, no, we like what we have, despite not despite what we have not being very good. It's also, like, I don't know who, like, he's
3: defending here. I think Justin Fields, yeah, I mean, does he need to be promised the number one spot? He would probably feel better about that. But there's not a doubt in my mind that Justin Fields would go to training camp and beat out whatever quarterbacks that the Steelers yes. have, especially if it's Mason Any Rudolph and, even. and
4: Pickett. That yeah. He would go in and be the odds-on favorite to be QB1, but... Any any team Fields goes to or any team that would have Fields in consideration would think, okay, maybe we have another competent arm to do a quarterback competition. Do you need a winter
3: bandwagon? Well, got a couple of options here. Bishop and Friends right here on The Fan.
0: The only radio station still operating with an active booze cart. I'm drunk right
7: now. No, I'm not. Yes, I am. The Fan. Ohio Sports Destination.
0: Distilled sports discussion served in light beer quantities. You're listening to Bishop and Friends.
3: Chaps and Reese are with you. Coming up in about 10 minutes, we are going to have John Davidson press conference from the Blue Jackets after the announcement that they have fired GM Yarmo Kekalainen this morning. But. We've basically been lamenting the terrible seasons of Ohio State basketball and the Blue Jackets all morning long, both making high profile firings within the last twenty four hours. Chris Holtman out yesterday afternoon as the Ohio State men's basketball coach. It's tough to watch these teams night in and night out and and actually enjoy it. But you know what? There are some teams that we have associations with that are very exciting, and they both played last night. They different feels to the games that they played, but still both very impressive and very exciting. The Ohio state women's basketball team, for those of you who don't know is number two in the country right now. They are 22 and three. They just won their 12th straight game. And what did they win it by 80 to 47 against two Nebraska who just beat Caitlin Clark in Iowa in an upset bid that they had to come back in the fourth quarter. So this is a good Nebraska team. They're 16 and nine overall. They're not a great team, but they're a good team. To beat them by 33 points, pretty impressive, and the Ohio State women's basketball team has kind of been doing this midweek for the last few weeks. They keep winning by 24, 33 on this one, 30 on this. So their midweek games are these bloods, and then they're playing really exciting games on the weekends, but they're going to be a high seed. I mean, they're number two right now. Obviously, that would put you in line for a number one seed, but it seems very, very, very unlikely to me that they fall below the three-seed line for this. And in women's college basketball, you actually get to be the host city if you are one of the top four seeds. So if you're excited for March Madness, hey, the Ohio State women's basketball team is very, very likely to be playing the first weekend of the tournament here in Columbus.
4: And that's pretty cool. The ESPN's most recent women's bracketology has the Buckeyes as a, quote, lock to be a number one seed with South Carolina and Stanford, um, the other one they've given a few teams, but four games left to go for the Buckeyes in the regular season. They've got a week off uh, this time. Next week they'll be at Penn State, and as much fun as a as a basketball team has has been in Columbus in a long time. That's, and that's the one shame about this telling you, like, hey, here are some bandwagons. But
3: you got time to familiarize yourself with these teams because, as you mentioned. Get familiar and then hop on because they've got
4: Iowa at the end of the season.
3: Yes, at Iowa, which I believe is Caitlin Clark's last home game. Obviously, when Iowa came here, they they came back and beat them. So that's going to be, like, I mean, that's the eyes of college basketball should be on that game. That's That could be one of the conference regular season games of the year. Especially that's for with the Big early. Ten regular season. Yeah, like, essentially.
4: The hope is for Ohio State that they lock that up the regular season title before March third. But again, Iowa at eleven and two, Ohio State at thirteen and one. So far, so good. What are the Cavs at? Sixteen of eighteen or something like that? Well, no, so they were uh, seventeen of eighteen, and they lost to Philadelphia earlier this week. Okay, so now they're eighteen of. 20? The 18 of 20. That's pretty good heading into the All-Star break. They're 18 of 20. It's a good win last night. That's half of their wins. Good win last
3: night. They are 36 and 17. They are the second seed in the East and uh, the it's this is it the Celtics who are kind of Celtics are the top team. And they're right kind now of running really. away with it right yeah. now. They they won a second game by fifty plus points. It'll be tough
4: year. to catch Boston in terms of getting the number one seat in the East, but for this Cavaliers squad, that's not necessary.
3: No, and they're good. Donovan Mitchell is playing like a dude. He was like an he, all star. He's been fifth in scoring in in the entire league for a while now, and he, he you know he got to his average last night. So that's not going anywhere. He had thirty points in this one. I actually
4: tuned in. It was it was nationally televised. What'd you think? Funniest yeah. Yeah, the ESPN broadcast. What'd you think of it?
3: Uh, I liked it. Was it, was it Doris Burke doing it or yeah, yeah that's why, that's what I thought. I didn't confirm, but I, I heard her voice and was like, I, I liked the broadcast, but I am, um, it's just crazy to me. Cause I don't dive into the NBA right away at the beginning of the regular season. Yeah. After watching so much, especially mostly Ohio state basketball, but some other college basketball throughout this time, It's always so. I know it. I know. I know it as a fact. But they are just so much more efficient and so much
4: more entertaining offensively. Yeah, I think the men's college game is the least efficient basketball you could watch on television. (laughs) Like the women, the women's game is pretty efficient.
3: Spend the whole game at the line either.
4: There are a, the, the the last minute of the game actually goes by in a somewhat timely fashion, and they're not at the line the entire now, you game. You could give me the argument that they don't play defense in the NBA, but I would still tell you that if they played just a little bit more defense, you would still find offensive efficiency at a premium.
3: Yes, because the the NBA like you can't guard the whole floor. Right. In college, you don't have to worry about a lot of the floor because <laughs> they're not guy. the guys can't score <laughs> Two from guys there. maybe. But the NBA, every guy can score from so many different places. So that's why the defense seems bad. But so I, I are, like the offense because when you really watch it, you're like the way they pass, the way
4: they find guys in the lane, the way they they shoot it out, and a guy's open and he hits the three. It's, it's fun stuff. So proper bandwagons. The Ohio State women's basketball team second in the country. The Cleveland Cavaliers second in the East. And you might be jumping off the bandwagon for the Blue
3: Jackets, but at least there is some hope. At this point, yeah, you've probably made up your mind. They're going to have some new leadership, though, in the front office, and we'll hear what their plan is going forward again. Fired GM Yarmo Kekalainen earlier this morning. Coming up next, we will have John Davidson, who is now the acting GM. He He won't be be on
4: with us. We're going to go to Nationwide to hear his comments.
3: Yes, he'll be live with their press conference for it. Bishop and Friends, right here on The Fan.
6: This Buckeye Football Impact Report is brought to you locally by Credit Union of Ohio and by Hyde Park Prime Steakhouse. On the fan, Ohio's sports destination.
0: Ohio State Football Impact Report.
14: On the defensive side of the ball, the Buckeyes dug down deep to Stafford, Virginia, where Mountain View High School defensive lineman Eric Mensa. One of the top ten prospects in the state of Virginia committed to Ohio State. Mensa's high school squad was twenty-two and three over the last two seasons. Here's recruiting analyst Bill Kerlick.
13: Eric Mensa is a defensive tackle. He originally committed to Virginia Tech, but uh, flipped to Ohio State. He's a guy with a very high motor, fun to watch. He actually even played on offense in the backfield for his high school team scored uh, a touchdown or two this season and uh, uh, a guy that um, I think Ohio State fans are going to really like when they see how hard he plays.
14: This report was brought to you by Safeline Auto Glass. I'm Matt Andrews on the Ohio State Sports Network from Learfield.
11: Hi, this is Paul Keels. This Buckeye season, don't let a broken windshield ruin your game plan. Safelight Auto Glass makes it easy to get your windshield fixed with their mobile glass shops all over central Ohio. They can come to you anywhere, giving Buckeye fans more time for game time. O-H-I-O! Man, I love that. Schedule at Safelight.com. Safe Light Auto Glass is a proud sponsor of Ohio State Athletics. Safe
15: Light repair, Light replace.
6: Libman makes a difference. The Libman Mop Crew is a part of our winning team. The Libman Mop Crew makes sure the hardwood is safe and clean for the players every game at the Schottenstein Center. No matter what kind of flooring you have at your home court, Libman has the tools to keep it clean. Our mops, brooms, and brushes are proudly family-made in the USA. Visit Libman.com to see our whole lineup and for a store locator. That's Libman.com.
1: Libman, proud sponsor of Ohio State Athletics. Is it time to upgrade your financial situation? Whether you're shooting for financial goals or making a fast break towards savings, Credit Union of Ohio is on your team. If you live in Central or Northeast Ohio, you could score big with affordable loans and competitive savings. Enjoy Credit Union of Ohio's fast and easy online application process and make a slam dunk when it comes to your financial needs. Start winning at cuofohio.org. That's cuofohio.org. Federally insured by NCUA. For more than 35 years, Hyde Park Prime Steakhouse has been known by Buckeye Nation as
6: serving the best steaks in the city. Our thick-cut aged steaks have been a staple in Columbus with three locations, in Upper Arlington, Dublin, and downtown. Hyde Park is proud to introduce our newly added wine room at the downtown Columbus location, where a new elegance in dining will surround you. And coupled with live entertainment every weekend, Hyde Park will be the perfect setting for any occasion or the perfect night out. Hyde Park is a proud sponsor of Ohio State Athletics. Go
7: Boss! Buc-
0: Our top men are working on everything except this show. This, this is Bishop and Friends.
3: Chops and Eric Reeser with you today and momentarily we'll be going out to live from Nationwide Arena. John Davidson is holding a press conference answering questions about the news that the Blue Jackets have parted ways with GM Kekalainen today. So that's uh, he is going to be acting GM for I would have guessed at least the, the rest of the season, but here he is
15: now. Good morning. I, too, will say thank you for getting over here without much of a heads up. It's a very hard day for me, as Jarmo Kakalainen is a friend and a very smart and talented manager. Unfortunately, as a team, our results haven't been good enough. We all, starting with myself, as head of hockey operations, share responsibility for that. While well, our team is improving and we have some very talented young players and prospects, it became apparent that we needed a new voice to lead us forward as we turn the page. This decision was difficult because of the quality of the person that Yarmo is. He's a dedicated, loyal, hard-working guy who did a lot of great things both on the ice and in our community over the past decade. We will always be grateful to Yarmo, his wife Tina, and their girls as they've made our organization and our community a much better place. That said, Mike Priest and I, along with our ownership group, led by John P. McConnell, concluded evaluations and decided now was the right time to make a change. While we begin our search for our next general manager, I will work with our hockey operations management team on all hockey-related decisions, including the upcoming trade deadline, and ongoing scouting efforts. We have no set timetable for hiring a new general manager, other than it will be when we know we have found the right person for the job. Our intent at this time is to focus on candidates outside the organization. This is a critically important decision. Mike Priest and I will oversee this process with a final decision made by the two of us, along with our ownership. We do not plan on conducting this search in a public forum. Our focus will be to find the individual who will help us set up our club for sustained success at the highest level. Our fans, who year in and year out, prove to be the best in the world, have been remarkably supportive, and they deserve nothing less. So again, before I take questions, I want to thank personally, and on behalf of everyone at the Blue Jackets, Thank Yarmo for all he has done. Wish he and his family all the best in the future. Thank you, and I'll take questions. 40. Johnny,
16: you're three weeks in the trade deadline. You're yeah. a couple of weeks after a long break in the middle of the season. Why does why it now make sense to make this move other than the, after the season or during that long
15: break? Yeah, we, we've, uh, well, one reason is because I had back surgery. I was out of commission for some, uh, some time, and... Uh, I know I've certainly done my best to stay in touch with everything, but uh, I haven't been around um, physically. We uh, talked with Mike. We talked with uh, our ownership, and this is the, the uh, conclusion we came to. We, uh, we know what's going on regarding the trade deadline three weeks away. Everything's been documented. Yarmo, in talking to Yarmo yesterday, and it was difficult, Yarmo um, he's a very professional person. And we talked even about things that he's discussed with other teams. It's all right there. Anything we need, all we do is pick up the phone and call him. He's great. You didn't think this would wait till after the, the No, we we decided now is the time as we turn the page. So, with everything that we have ahead of us, we wanted to start the process now.
12: When you say you came to the conclusion, what was the conclusion? Was there one thing or was it just a cumulative effect?
15: Uh, Craig, it was just, it just sometimes when timing is right, we just felt now is the time. We have a lot ahead of us. We've had an up and down, at times, turbulent season. Um, I, I just think that going forward, now is the time to turn that page and go forward with all the decisions that we have to make that are ahead of us We've also done some very good things this season. I've seen a lot of young players pop. Um, we're a tough out. There's been too many outs. We've improved in areas. But uh, just, just now is the time. This is the feeling and the decision that we made as a group.
4: What was kind of the message to, whether it be players, coaches, mm-hmm. about kind of the next
8: you know, turning of the page? What, what, what was kind of like that message? to you?
15: Uh, yesterday, I met with Yarmol, so he had a chance to... Um, Mike and I met with Yarmol, so Yarmo had a chance to talk to his family. He has two girls. Uh, he has parents. Um, he wanted to call some people in hockey operations, which he was able to do. I then did the same thing. Um, today, we met with our coaches early, and then we met with our complete hockey staff, which includes trainers, strength and conditioning, and all our players, gave them the message... And uh, the message primarily was that the change is made. This is a process that we're trying to go through to become a much better hockey club, to become a consistent hockey club, so nobody let their guard down. We're improving in certain areas. We've got a lot of areas to improve in. Let's go. It's as simple as that.
3: And as you turn the pages, do you expect
8: any other personnel changes to be made? Not at this time.
12: I'm sorry,
17: Tim Bill at cleveland.com. John, um, you know, you, you said at the outset you're pretty much looking primarily at outside candidates in this in the process to move on from Yarmouth. When did it kind of become clear that maybe a fresh perspective from the outside was needed as far as you know establishing a vision and a direction, especially when it comes to development, because I know Yarmouth in the past is more about retooling than try to rebuild.
15: I, I don't know about that. You know what? When we talk about candidates, we know what we have on the inside. So it's our job to exhaust every avenue you can. So I can tell you honestly right now we don't have anybody in mind. But we're going to exhaust every possible avenue that we can as we go forward. And regarding retooling, rebuilding, the word, it doesn't matter to me. What matters to me is we get better and we know the future primarily with our club Um, are are the veterans that we have here. That are, that are good players and, and they're young players that we feel are popping. And uh, you've seen Chinikov pop this year. You've seen other young players not do as well, but they're coming. It, it's hard, and there's no set timetable for young players to pop. There's just not. So we know we're going in the right direction. The way I feel is that if I look at our team now, our five-on-five plays decent. Our special teams are struggling. We have strengths that are good, keep building on it. We have weaknesses that we have to keep working at to get better as a team, and that's been reiterated uh, to our coaching staff, and we have to keep going forward.
16: John, there's there's been issues here through the years with player retention lately. Uh, You've got a, a collection of young talent in the room. You've got some big contract negotiations coming up with them in the next few years. How important is that to to sort of foster a different Mm -hmm. spirit, maybe, between the front office and the the room and and keeping this group together?
15: When I I think about that, I look at a player like Boone Jenner, whom you interviewed the other day, and he loves it here. And I I have not had a player come up to me and say, I don't like Columbus, I don't want to play for the Blue Jackets. I honestly think that they do, and I think they love playing here including some of the veteran players. Now, obviously, players do come and go. That's part of the nature. Sometimes negotiations get hard, but that's that's how it is. I, I, I'd venture to say that there's been some tough things that have happened. We're going to work at all that stuff to make us better in every area, but I also think that this is a place that's been built up, um, not only as a, as a team, winning would certainly help, but also the, the city itself, to live here. It's, it's a pretty special place. So I, I, I look at it a little bit differently. Yes,
16: I'm not talking, talking about the city. I'm talking, yeah, about, no, I'm talking about the management yeah. here.
15: No, I understand that. I, I think that our players that are here right now, I haven't had anybody walk in or that I know of that say, I want to get the hell out of here. It's just not happening. So it's my job now to watch. Well, it's my job, period, to watch that and, uh, and do our best to make sure that this is a place that they want to stay for all the right reasons.
14: Um, Just two, John. One
8: is, is is there anything culturally that that you think needs to change uh, within hockey operations on down to
5: the
15: bench? Um, From upstairs down, you mean, Mike? Um, It's something that for me right now with with the change, um, I've already got a lot of meetings set up, some on the road because we're going away today for a week, some when I get back. We're going to go through everything from A to Z. And for me right now to say, yeah, I'm going to change this and that and this and that, I don't think it's fair for me to to say that right now. But it's certainly up to me to try to evaluate that. And if there's changes needed, I'll make them.
8: If, if there's uh, uh, a way to describe uh, what, what Yarmulke's legacy here was, could, could you at least start yeah. to describe it?
15: Well, this this team over some of the years was close, and I mean really close. When uh, we lost to Boston, Boston lost in the seventh game of the finals. We had Washington down by a couple of games. They came back, and they won the cup. I saw us play Pittsburgh, fight them tooth and nail, great series, and they won the cup. For me, we were close. Now we're in a different situation where we're waiting for some players to pop it's going to be up to, up to the new general manager to come in and try to assess what we need, where we need, and how he's going to do it. Also, I think with is, um as I talked to the players today and the coaches, he's, he's an honest man. He's a hard-working, passionate person. He was here in his 11th year, and uh, that, that in itself is, is pretty good. Things go south. It's up to us to realize that and make a change, which we did. But uh, he'll always be a Blue Jacket, he and his family.
16: Did You he, he sort of committed to a rebuild or a retool a, a few years ago, and then Gaudreau happens. Mm-hmm. I don't think anybody expected you to say no to that. The Dubois trade happens, mm-hmm. and, and that changes things, a young player leaving for two others. Did it just kind of uh, this year and, and last year going into this year, did it just sort of reach a point where the direction of where this was going and how to get there was no longer clear?
15: Um, I, I think when you have young players that you're playing and you hope they pop, and some are, because we've seen this season, That's for me, has been the brightest spot as our young players have come along. Our crowds have been fantastic. I talk to a lot of people around the league say, you know, I like watching your team play. You guys are fun to watch. Well, we may be fun to watch, but we're not winning enough. But, uh, you know, the third period has destroyed us earlier in the season. We're getting better at that. Um, I think with some of the... Uh, The players, whether it be the Dubois thing or whatever it was, things do happen, and you have to deal with them. Um, Myself, I think that you also have to have players around that you, you can't come in here with two or three lines of pure young players thrown to the wolves and hope they play well. Meanwhile, they're going to go backwards because you're playing in the toughest, nastiest, best league in the whole wide world. So you have to have players that are going to come in and help. Johnny Goodrow, I think by his own admission, has been good and not so good. But he's still, and we're hoping that his good nights are really good. The game the other night here at home in the loss to Tampa Bay when I saw Zach Wierenski play and Johnny play, that was worth the price of admission, even though we didn't win the game. But that was a hell of a hockey game. So we need players to support young players too. And, uh, and also give our fans a chance to watch some talent on the ice as we progress with our young players. If we've got more coming. If you take a player like Matejchuk. He's had a phenomenal season. And then at the highest level where he is, which is the World Junior, he was phenomenal. So that's something that's going to be coming. uh, David Juracek's going to be coming. Even though he is spending some time in the minors, we just want him to improve. We want him to play games. So we're going to go through this process. As I said the other day, um, I watched an interview with Jeff Rimmer and Rick Tockett from Vancouver. And Rick Tockett's done a hell of a job as a coach there. And he was talking about what they've done. And he talked about the process, the word process. He says, you know, a lot of people out there say they get tired of the word process, tired of process, process. I don't think it's used enough, is what he said. And I tend to agree with him. Sometimes the process of what you're trying to do on the ice can be done in a year for a certain player or three years for another player. But it's still a process, and it's not all tied together. It's a difficult thing to go through. It's hard. It's hard to win in this league, especially with young players. But we feel strong about a lot of our youth, the direction they're going. The ability for our team to stick together right now through tough times is quite remarkable. That's a very tight group in that room. And I I admire that. And I told them that today. As we go forward, we need you guys to remember the process. This process is going to be for the rest of the season and beyond. So stick with it, stick together, and we're going to see where we go.
13: Jenny, what does this change mean for you? Are you more hands-on
15: now? Or are you down in the run more I have off to be now, for sure, now. yeah. I, I, I'm in charge right now of uh, everyday hockey operations. I'll work with Josh Flynn and Basil McRae, the two assistant general managers. I'll be working in conjunction with Mike because it's more than just our games. There's the process we're going through. There's that word again. The process we're going through with uh, finding the new general manager. So it's going to be a good, hard ride, a good, hard ride.
13: And just to follow up, you and Yarmol, you couldn't mention one without the other. Yeah. Just what does is, what is this uh, day it's hard. mean to you personally? It's got to be tough.
15: When you think of Yarmol, uh, I met him in St. Louis when he was running the draft there. Then he went back and ran a team and won a championship in Finland. He's uh, He's an honest guy. He's got a great family. You know, when you talk about traits with people if you're an honest guy and you have a wonderful family it tells you something about the individual and uh, you know i know that for a lot of us and it rightly so it's about results it's a business but there's also human beings involved so i knew when we brought yarmo in that someday this might happen it happened it's not a lot of fun but that's that's hockey it's pro sports on we go
8: J.D., a lot of times during these administrative moves. We hear from you. It's good to see uh, Mike here today. Ownership always talks through the printed word, through statement. And I hear fans say, we have an absentee ownership. Have you ever urged them to go face-to-face and just maybe reassure fans? Um, why do they always stay in the background?
15: That might be better for Mike to answer.
13: There's a couple things. The first I would offer up to you, I don't think you've ever seen the ownership on the day that we've terminated people. That's just not what you do. I don't – I get the narrative a little bit, but I'm in the know, so I know how much they're involved. But it's not their style, and it never has been their style, nor do I think – I think it – when you ask other people around our league, that's why – they call to want to come to this organization is because they empower the people they have to do the right thing and to run the company. That's their expertise. They give them great autonomy to do that. They're totally informed and they totally have a say, trust me, I hear it. So they are very engaged, but they're not going to come up here and pretend that they have the expertise that JD has or YARMO had. That's, that's not fact. But when the decision gets made, then it's made. And one of the things they will always say, and it goes to a couple of the questions before about timing, is that you have our support as long as you have our support. But when that goes away, when you know you're going to make a change, it isn't respect to the people to let them know. Not allow them to become lame duck, not allow them to come to you and you have to say no. So when you talk about now and their involvement, they're very much people who say, you'll have my support. I've gotten calls and things over time where they talk about, you know, give support, give support. Can you still support them? If they're still being paid by us, they still have our support. But we also are people of character when that goes away, for whatever reason, still love the person, but when it goes away, then it's time to tell them and to be fair to them. And that's one reason why you get to today. You could pick a number of different reasons. You, know, you, don't, you don't want to put him in a bad position for trade deadline where he can't do his job. You know, Those are issues that you can come to. You can debate whether it's a good time of year or not. But when decisions are made in respect to the people, then
15: we're going to make that decision, and we're going to be honest about it. Jim, and so,
8: do you still feel that support as well?
15: Oh, yeah, very much so. I, I would say that ownership here, ownership here has, um, it's a tremendous ownership. They give us all the tools we need. It's, uh, that, that is something that's very special with this organization.
8: John, what qualities are you looking for? What What is the most important thing in
13: hiring a new general manager? Do you think outside the box? And give us an idea
8: what you think it will be like. How much interest will there be in this job? Will you get a bunch of calls?
15: Yeah, I think we'll get a lot of calls. I really do. In fact, I've already had a couple. Um, it's a good situation here. With ownership, the city itself, with the amount of talent that we have already assembled, it's not like starting from the bottom. So, yes, I think there'll be a lot of interest. I'm looking for a person that's going to, um, and we will look outside of the box. We'll look everywhere. And that's that's what we have to do. That's why we're in no rush to do this. But we're going to look for energy. We're going to look for smarts. We're going to look for a player evaluator, a player, that, or pardon me, a person that understands analytics, everything from A to Z. That's what it's going to be. And I, I'm sure when Mike and I discuss this with people, somebody's just going to pop right out for us. And... Uh, and nothing's out of bounds. Zero. We're gonna we're gonna look everywhere we possibly can.
13: We have time for a couple more, so we'll start with you. Hey J D.
15: Um you've talked about process. mm mm-hmm.
6: What what is the standard you want it to be here. Obviously, you know the fan base, they they come, they love this team, but there is frustration. Mm -hmm. So what do you want this standard to be, and how do you get there with a new GM?
15: Well, the the reality is there is frustration. We have to all face those facts from from our side, from my point of view. And um, I I think that if we do this right, which we plan on doing, and not rushing into it, we're going to find somebody that's going to help us become a, a team, that's going to be good on the ice and not just for a short period of time. We need something that's going to sustain to make us a good hockey club for a number of years and have that window open properly where you can add to it and give it a run. That's how it works. So I'm confident in the fact that we'll find somebody very strong. I'm confident in the fact that there's going to be a lot of people very interested in this job. I, I, I know because I talk to a lot of people around the league all the time. That's what I do. And, and the positives outweigh the negatives as to where we are as a team on the ice. And uh, we're going to need someone that's going to, be, uh, that's going to open our eyes, that's going to make us think further, and, uh, and to help us keep on going in the right direction to, to where we're a club that's going to be a, a threat.
6: And I, I feel like I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't ask you this next one as president and now interim general manager. Conversation around the league about the Blue Jackets playing in a stadium game against the Red Wings. What can you update us on that?
15: I really can't. I've had enough going on with this stuff. I—that's uh, My office is here in the hallway, and down the hallway is the whole business side, at, uh, and Mike's in another office, and they're the ones taking care of all this stuff. I got enough on my plate right now. I hope it happens. I know there's been talk. I'd be excited as, I'd be so excited to see this happen for this, but it's, it's like the field of dreams. You do it and they'll come. Can you imagine that place with 80,000 people in there? I mean, I just, that, that's overwhelming.
8: Last
17: one. John, you've talked about the young players and obviously you've got plenty of Young prospects are working their way through. As you look for the next GM and people that kind of work through the hockey, hockey, the process, as you say, how important is it for to find a guy who, you know, has a clear plan and understanding, you know, what the next steps are, making sure you turn those young players and you develop them into, you know, the types of players mm-hmm. that can carry a franchise, can take you guys to where you need to go. It's, it's
15: critical. It's critical. But I also think that the, the 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 biggest plus for me for our team this season has been the. The um, and, and they have ups and downs, young players. They just do. It's just natural. Some aren't strong enough physically, yet Yet they're playing. Um, some aren't used to the grind. They've never been in a, a grind where you're going to play an 82-game season. But I've seen good things. I've seen a lot of good players come in here, or young players come in here that are doing a lot of good things. That gets me excited. And that's that's where we are right now. And when the New person comes in. He's he's going to be given the ability to make decisions. That's going to be his job. And uh, Mike and I will support this person as much as we possibly can, and uh, we'll work with him.
3: That was John Davidson and uh, John McConnell was there as well, talking about it. Right? Uh, That I was Mike Priest. Mike. Okay. Sorry, I I just wanted to make sure I got the I got the names right because I don't know their voices by heart. Um. Yes. I. Sure, it doesn't really make me feel that much better about it. I, I d- do you get an idea that like those guys aren't sure about their jobs here, you know, with the, with the idea of it? But the Blue Jackets made this decision to fire Yarmouk a line. It sounds like it was made officially by the team yesterday and then announced officially this morning. And they're moving forward. Trade deadlines coming up on March 8th. So there are still questions to answer about this season, but the really the more important ones are what are they going to do in the coming years? Because you can't just waste all these Blue Jackets
4: years. Yeah. And we'll, you know, As this day goes on, you'll hear more, uh, well, they'll play the cuts from John Davidson, from Mike Priest. You'll hear uh, Matty Ice and Dave Biddle, and then Man and Bone, I'm sure, will have thoughts on this as well. Yeah, so we'll keep you covered with everything that happens there, and uh, who knows, maybe there'll be another firing here
3: in Columbus sometime soon, but Rothman and Ice, I'm sure Rothman has plenty to say about that. Oh, no, Rothman's out today. It's Dave Biddle and Matty Ice, so Dave Biddle and Matty Ice will take you over for the next three hours. Bishop and Friends, right here on The Fan.
0: Here's a listener tweet. Are men and bones stupid in real life? Yes. Yes, they are.
3: Common Man and T-Bone.
6: Weekdays from 3
0: to 6. The Fan. It's a Fan Action Update. This Action update's brought to you by ESPN Bet Gambling. Problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Tiger Woods is back in action at the Genesis Invitational. Tiger enters the tournament with 125 to 1 odds to win it. Odds for a top-five finish this week at ESPN Bet are 25-1. Tiger Woods is plus 365 to finish in the top 20 entering the tournament. Tiger will tee off in about 25 minutes. Can't wait for your ESPN Bet Action Update. I'm Scotty Vegas.
7: Broadcasting from the Lindsay Honda Studios.
6: Honda makes the cars. Lindsay makes the difference. Visit lindsayhonda.com.
0: WPNSFM. HD1 Columbus. The Fan. Sports Center.
14: Good afternoon. I'm Matt Andrews. The Blue Jackets have made a change at the top. Yermo Kekalainen relieved this morning of his duties as the Jackets General Manager. John Davidson will take over as the acting GM while search is conducted for Kekalana and' its replacement. Yarmo spent 11 seasons in that capacity, the longest-serving general manager in club history. A 12th straight win for Kevin McGuff's Ohio State women's basketball team. Yesterday, they put on a clinic dismantling Nebraska 80-47. to The Buckeyes forced 30 turnovers in a stifling defensive effort. J.C. Sheldon at 23 to pace Ohio State. Cody McMahon a double double, 20 points, 10 rebounds. Ohio State at 22 and 3 will play at Penn State one week from today. Cavs beat the Bulls last night 108 105. 10th win in their last 11 games. Breaking sports news when it happens here on The Fan.